Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we're recapping Season 3 of Dark. We're on Episode 7 now. If you look at the German translation of the show, this episode is titled In Between Time, but the Netflix, for whatever reason, their American title says Between the Times. So we'll argue about which is correct with my co-host, who is your host of one of my stories. She's right here. She's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy there, Steve. I'm ready to argue about words. <laughs> That's the first thing when you sent me your draft of the recap. I was like, oh, she went with the uh, the English title, not the German translation title, eh? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I'm always, uh, I don't translate the titles. I just go right for that Netflix translation. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it because I didn't know what the episode, I mean, I knew what the episode was called, but like during like the first couple minutes of the episode, like when they like to do their, um, you know, their translations of things, like they help us out with that. Mm-hmm. Like the title of the episode flashed on the screen and then below that is when it said um, in between time. So that's what I wrote down in my recap. So um, I'm going with that one. I'm going with in between time because I like the way it flows better instead of between the times. Okay. Wow. All right. Um, <laughs> I I think I do. I didn't. Yeah. You know, I actually didn't put this in the recap, but I do recall mm-hmm. now because I was looking at stuff today that between the time, the reason it might be that way is because there's some words said later in the episode with the mm-hmm. uh the, the the grave marker of Merrick. Um oh Tanhouse delivers one of his <laughs> long monologues <laughs> and he says between the time um or at least that's how it's either that's the translation or it's what they used made the English translation. So I'm guessing okay. that they use that phrase also in the episode title in German. And so they just did that. And the word, that's why the words might be slightly out of order. It that don't was matter, exhausting though. to say. That was exhausting to say for some reason. <laughs> I feel exhausted already. <laughs> I, I don't think it matters what this episode is called. I, Good. I, I can absolutely with certainty say this is like in the top five, um, dark standalone episodes if i were to give you my top five this would definitely be in there um i think this i think this was uh i don't know it it kind of it it made its own legend in a way uh the way this episode rounded about uh i really enjoyed it um are you feeling the same way i i think i do like it this time i remember when this episode came on i did not like it Oh, okay. Um, just because there's so much information packed in. And again, it gets a lot of it gets kind of repetitive, like the things, okay. some of the things Claudia says and some of the things that Adam says. And it, it feels just kind of like everybody's sort of trying to do the same thing and they're <laughs> saying the same speech to other people. And then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to just keep up with the nod and repeat the cycle. And, you know, just it's just kind of <laughs> like after a while, you're like, wait, that person is saying exactly what this other person was saying, but they're supposedly on different sides. And so it just gets confusing. And also trying to okay. balance like which world 
again, which world is everybody mm-hmm. from? And that was a lot to track. So there's just, I think there's just so much in this episode that it felt overwhelming at the time. And I just wanted to get to the finale. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's a lot well, of information we- in this, you know, like that is important to the to the show and understanding everything. I always think like I always um, hear about the like the next to last episode of any season or series as like the penultimate episode mm-hmm. because that's when a lot of the um, you know the rise in action will happen. I think in this episode, I think the reason I liked it so much at first watch and then again at second, third, and fourth watch is because I really enjoy the ending of this episode because it gives you a lot of nostalgia for like the past seasons and then. I really like the beginning of this episode with the um the little fun, you know, science lab um video that we get to watch. Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, like with good comedy they say, you know, you start with your best joke and you no, you start with your second best joke and you end with your best joke and everything in between, you just kind of build off those two things. So I think this episode really does a good job of starting strong and ending strong. I wanted to say about, um, we were talking earlier about what shows we've been watching this week. And um, I'm happy to report that I have watched uh, Murder at the End of the World, which a lot of people have been looking forward to this show, myself included, because this is like a Brit Marling production. Like she wrote and um, she didn't direct it, I believe, but she wrote it and she co-starred in this show. And she also wrote, directed and starred in the OA. That's something that Tash and I like bonded on because she really loved the OA as well. You know, me too, of course. Um, the show was kind of, um, I didn't love it. Um, I'm, I'm sad to report that I did not love it overall. But what I did like a lot, we were talking about Ben Frost, is they used some dark music in this um, show. And mm. some things that we would hear in dark um, just as like uh, setup music and suspense music in the background, they used a lot throughout this series. So it kind of felt like I was watching dark in that respect, but it was not Ben Frost's music. It was like some other composer that they used. Um, I can't tell you who it was because I don't know. But again, I was looking for Ben Frost, looking at comparisons to dark. Again, with this show, if you like the structure of dark where it has a music montage at the end, uh, this show, Murder at the End of the World, also follows that same structure with the great music at the end. Yeah. I've what have you been watching, the- Lindsay? <laughs> well, I've been watching The Crown um, season two. Sorry, season six, the second part. Um, you told me you did watch that, Steve, that you've watched I haven't seen season six yet. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but I've watched they- everything up to it. Yeah, at least one episode in each season usually is dedicated to Princess Margaret. And, the, you know, I just watched the Margaret episode and it was pretty devastating. But, um, oh, but yeah, okay, just, gotcha. just because, just because it's, again, I don't know much. I didn't follow the royal family growing up. <laughs> and I just, I really love her character. I really love, um, especially season one and two when Vanessa Kirby plays Margaret. And I just really related to some of her feelings about the world. And so seeing her, she has an episode. It's her final episode. It's the final season. <clears throat> um, and she ends up, um, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's a historical thing, but she ends right. up. Um, having a stroke 
and she has she's she loves to party and so they keep telling her like you can't um you know you can't smoke anymore or drink and then of course she ignores it and bad mm-hmm. things happen so there's a there's a scene in that episode that's pretty that's pretty traumatic that I was like oh my gosh this is horrible but so it's but it, I just love that show and I I I kind of want to go back and start over again but it's a it's a long show not as long as Mad Men but <laughs> but yeah well yeah we should we're we're on we're on the hunt for things to watch now we're kind of like in between places Heather and myself and that's why we're sampling these other shows and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll get her to watch because I've watched The Crown up to season five. She didn't like it as much as I did, but I'll just mm-hmm. make her watch it. I mean, she can jump in any season there because it it all works out. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I I learn so much too from yeah. watching the show. I mean, I love the drama, but also there's you know these are real things that happened in history that I didn't honestly know about until this show and so i feel like it's educational as well as entertaining so hey speaking of educational we started out our episode with a nice educational <laughs> um spin from dan house right how's that for a segue that's a good segue steve <laughs> yeah do you want to go ahead and get into our recap and talk about tan houses uh, science lesson here <laughs> Sure. Let's 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 meet up with Bill Nye right now. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. Mm-hmm. So, as Steve said, the episode opens with an informative presentation about Schrodinger's cat. What is reality, and is there only one of them, or do several realities coexist? An animation shows one box becoming three. The presentation continues. Erwin Schrodinger came up with a thought experiment. A cat is locked in a steel chamber with a tiny amount of radioactive substance, a Geiger counter, a vial of poison, and a hammer. As soon as the radioactive atom decays inside the steel chamber, the Geiger counter releases the hammer, which smashes the vial of poison. The cat is dead. Before you continue, I just want to make the brief interruption that that's a bit much. All they need is like a little bit of poison cat food. That would have the same effect <laughs> instead of all this like contraband and the hammer and all that stuff involved because the cat would either eat the poison or it would not eat the poison. I think it would have the same effect. I'm not that I'm better than Schrodinger. He's the expert here, but I just think <laughs> well, this is a bit much. Well, and I haven't, um, I meant to look this up, but I haven't yet to just look up apart from Tan House, what he's doing to look up Schrodinger's cat and see what comes up because I didn't realize I've heard of Schrodinger's cat, but I never heard of these other items being part of it, you know, with all the radioactive substance, the Geiger counter, you know, it's like a, uh, what do they call it? A Rube, almost like a Rube Goldberg experiment here that's been set up for this cat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the animation does all that too with the falling hammer. (laughs) Yeah. So the, our perspective changes then from a, this presentation we've been watching, the animation, to seeing mm-hmm. who's giving the presentation. And it's a version of H.G. Tanhouse. And I'm really slow, Steve, but I just realized in this episode that H.G. stands for Heinrich Gustav, <laughs> which is, you know, the other Tanhouses, the, you know, his, 
his predecessors in life, his ancestors. So I just, I was like, that's pretty obvious. But all along I've just been, I haven't realized what HG stands for. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. I do that all the time. And Heather makes fun of me for not noticing like things like that too. So it's, it's good. It's good. At least you noticed it. So that's all that matters. (laughs) At the, almost the end of the show. (laughs) So it's, H.G. Tanhouse giving this presentation and he's in this age between because the show is between the time or in between mm-hmm. time It's between the Tanhouse, the young one we met in 1953 and the older one we saw talking to stranger Jonas in the 1980s. He's talking as if he's on a TV show about science. He goes on mm-hmm. to explain that since we put these objects inside a steel box that's sealed, the actual fate of the cat is both dead and alive. Until we look, we don't actually know if the radioactive substance decayed, triggering the chain of events, leading to the death of this poor cat. And until we look, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. I don't know. This this uh, this age tan house is just fun to look at here. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. This, yeah, his haircut is... Just this uh, longish, you know, hippie-ish hairstyle. <laughs> All we the way he's forward-facing the camera yeah. and, like, talking to us. And, like, yeah. it's like, I think you mentioned, and you, you, you're going to bring this up later on. So, I, it, But, yeah, it's like, who is this for? It was like, did, did this get played in schools? Like, would young Jonas maybe have watched this as a kid, you know, in, like, fourth grade, <laughs> perhaps? Yeah, it would have been fun if, like, you know, we had the Raider candy bars. It would have been fun if mm-hmm. throughout any time the TV was on, it would, you know, they might <laughs> cross, you know, change channels and be like, ah, this guy again, you know. But we did see him once in the in season one. We saw um, Helge is showing right. Eric Obendorf this uh this show you know <laughs> entertaining him <laughs> so um but yeah you do wonder how often this was on tv so <clears throat> and we're all wondering what does this have to do with anything you know isn't that nice that there's this science tv show <laughs> so the scene then switches abruptly to marta from dark Tanhouse then switches from teacher to narrator inside the world of dark as we continue we to watch marta <laughs> Yes. And he says, but what if the simultaneous existence of life and death also applied to the macrocosmic world? Inside the house, Jonas sits by the corpse of OG Marta, promising to make things right. Tanhouse then posits a world where instead of the cat either being alive or dead, there are two realities and the cat is both alive and dead even yes. though the box is now opened or the contents of the box are revealed. Could two mm-hmm. different realities potentially exist side by side? And by doing so, allow the cat to simultaneously exist in both states, dead and alive. And if so, how many different realities could exist side by side? Yeah, they certainly show like three little TV sets. So I'm just going to go with three for mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I don't want to get, I don't want to blow our minds too much yet. Yeah. Well, Tanhouse is always like, you know, theorizing and, and saying all these different things. But what we see, what we've seen is 
that, you know, we've seen a version of these events happening before. So we get the first two replays of events we've seen before in this episode. Another one comes later. In World 1, Alt-Marta stands outside the Conwald house on the day of the apocalypse. The screen splits, but instead of seeing what happens to Jonas, which we saw before, he goes with Marta or escapes into the basement. We see what happens to Marta to cause both states of reality. So in one version, Marta goes inside to save Jonas, and in the other, Marta doesn't go into the house because Bartosz calls her name and stops her, and that's what we see in this version. Nice little cause and effect there. It's like the reason why the split happens is because of Bartosz, our boy. <laughs> Bartosz. Mm. And he's got the hair we love. <laughs> that you love. <laughs> we love. Come on. I don't like, I will never like that haircut. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> um, but it, I thought it was nice that, you know, it's interesting that we've seen this before from Jonas' perspective. Mm-hmm. And now it's Marta's perspective. Because, of course, there are two parties involved in that in that exchange. And now we see there's actually three. You know, Bartosz, Jonas, and Marta. So it's actually three, even though... We thought it yep. was just two. So, in this version, Bartosz says, You can't go in there. Adam and the others lied to you. He doesn't want to help you. He's going to kill you. Bartosz's clothes are ripped and his face dirty. So now he's joined the, the dirty people that never shower. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in the future, he doesn't want to stop the apocalypse. He's still talking about Adam. Everyone will die, not because of you, but because of him. He promises Marta he knows where the origin is and how it's all connected. This is what Alt-Marta is supposed to say to Jonas. Instead, Bartosz makes the same promise to Marta, begging her to trust him. Marta accepts his promises, and the two of them disappear into a cloud of golden stars. Like... (laughs) So this shows, like, um, one reality is like Bartosh interrupts Martha and takes her like through, like he has a little golden, what do you call the little golden time traveling device? The golden snitch. That's what I wanted to say, but I knew it was wrong. (laughs) So you said the wrong thing for me. Um, And so Jonas exists in both realities, according to this. So he got saved by Martha with her golden snitch. And then the other one, he did not get saved by the golden snitch. Marta did instead. And then he runs to the basement. Mm-hmm. And even though like they kind of showed him go from Martha's body to the basement, there was still like a real clear disconnect of how that house is laid out. Like that basement still does not make sense to me. <laughs> even after watching this episode and they show him open that basement door like I rewound that a couple of times and like, it's like he goes into the hallway, does a weird spin. And I don't, I don't know how this basement door works, but, uh, but this Jonas mm-hmm. like survived there. And I guess that's the one we see later on doing all his experiments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But either way, Jonas doesn't die. So, 
Right. Either. That's yeah. Either path. Out too. Yeah. It's kind of amazing to me that he survived in, in like the little basement, the basement of his house. <laughs> and it just I makes mean, me wonder like how many, it, it, it leads me to believe that more people should have survived. Um, if even the, the Conwads had that little bunker and under their house too. Oh, all right now. Okay. I don't know. We just we just have to accept this. I think. I know. You know we We're can't... focused on these four families. I know. <laughs> um. So this, you know, we saw the two fates of Jonas, and now there are these two paths of Marza, causing different branches or options in the timeline. And that was fun to write because that's like, oh, that was in Loki. The branches of the timeline are branching out. Yeah, again, this is a piece of the puzzle we've been missing. So Now, a piece of the puzzle I've been missing is um, this week I didn't have your... Re that's what I was trying to say, <laughs> gonna say earlier when I stumbled over my words. I was going to say this is like the first episode that I've watched without having your recap to, to read along with. So I had to keep track of like where we were and like what years and all that kind of stuff in my notes here too. So it was, it was an educational episode for me to go without a net here. Yes. Yes. You've been, I told Steve he's now initiated into the sick Mundus gratis vest. Now he gets his own suitcase time machine and, and everything. <laughs> he's like young Noah. Yep. He can finally go into the, the layer. <laughs> I can easily identify whether I'm in world one or world two. It's no problem for me now. It's just a feeling you get. You just look at the, uh, the atmosphere and the light and you just know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then we jump to the workshop of HG Tanhouse in the year 1974. And the style of clocks he's working on look visibly different from the ones we've seen before. These are 1970s clocks, man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and now in 1974, Tanhouse looks the same age as the man on the TV screen. He glances at a photo on his desk of his son and family, including baby Charlotte. Because there are so many quick jumps through time throughout this episode, this countdown clock device is <laughs> is a uh, setup for us where that the clock winds forward or backwards through each year and stops where it needs to go as if it's the wheel of fortune and we're spinning the wheel <laughs> yeah it kind of reminded me of like those old analog clocks when like that's the kind of clock i grew up with where like the the clock the numbers would tick by like the actual thing actual plastic piece of the numbers would keep clicking by so that's what this reminded me of i liked it one thing i want to say about this countdown clock okay that i don't know is worth thinking about is this is you know this is the first episode that we've had there's really only one warping transition between world one and world two so okay. That makes you wonder if you're looking at world one or world two. Either we're staying yeah. in we're staying in one world the whole episode, or because the worlds are so closely aligned, we're not actually they're not gonna show us if we're in world one or two or if they're overlapping. Um so it's Okay. There's, there's a level of uncertainty, I feel, to 
the chronology in this okay in this episode a voiceover of tan house says it's hard for people to accept death we right. hold on tightly to things that are long gone we long in vain for a way to turn back time a way to reverse death but if time is relative and nothing is ever really in the past and the simultaneous overlapping of different realities is possible. So he's already decided it is possible before he was asking mm -hmm. the questions. <laughs> um, shouldn't it then be possible to bring something that we believe to be dead long ago and to create a new reality in which what is dead lives again? If our life is defined as that which lies between birth and death, then it exists there in infinite versions. Could we succeed in cheating death by finding a way to bring back life. And all this talk makes me think of Charlotte saying, you have to get to the person you want to save when they are young. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, Jonas said the same thing as well to her. That's right. Right. Like the, the little cheat of death is to, yeah. <laughs> is to travel in time. So it makes perfect sense. Sure. I mean, this grave is beautiful. I, I will say this grave with the family names on it is this turquoise blue, you know, the blue of dark. And <laughs> I'm like, I want my grave to look like this one day. And the typeface on the grave is cool, too. It's been recorded, so it shall be. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in my living will, everybody. <laughs> so we see the grave marker for the Tanhouse family dated November 8th, 1971. Merrick, Sonia, and Charlotte are the names engraved on the tomb. Tanhouse visits the grave at the Church of St. Christopher. This is the place we've seen characters from Dark go before. Yana visits Mads. Jonas visits the graves of Marta and other people from Winden in 2053. Claudia buries Regina. He places a red stuffed animal beside Charlotte's name. And note that they put Charlotte's name on the tomb, even though her body was never found. We know that from the previous episode. Just like Yana and Trant made a grave for Mads. So that kind of reminded me of that decision. And he then walks to the bunker that we all know and love and walks down the stairs and finds a perfectly empty room. Yeah, like the little, um, putting the little red toy on there was just like Yana putting that little red He-Man figure mm -hmm. on Mads' grave, too. It, it was a, I thought it was a direct callback to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I don't know, I, I, I already wanted to, I already want to talk about what's going to happen next episode, because I'm so sure that, that this is a World 2 situation, but... I guess we can't talk of it, Lindsay. I'm, no. my, my brain is stuck in that in that way because like that's uh, what you get for uh, that's what you get mm. for watching ahead, Steve O. But I mean, I I encourage you to do it to get the itch to get that itch scratched. <laughs> also, um, what what um, Tannhaus is saying there, he's not saying the exact same thing that Einstein said. In the first episode of Dark, I just went and rewatched episode one of Dark recently. And yeah, the Einstein quote is the exact correlation of this, talking about how, you know, there is no beginning and there is no end. So, hmm. you know, that theme has, you know, perpetrated throughout the show. 
So, but all this talk does seem to make it, you know, it's clear that Tannhouse is hinting at this wanting to bring people back from the dead, and we know his family is dead. So there's kind of a lot of hints about what it is he's trying to do right now. Right, okay. So fun fact, users on Reddit like Elisabrus-91 and Brinoi Matos have gotten much joy out of pointing out the similarities in the names of Tannhaus's loved ones to the names Jonas and Marta. Sonia and Jonas are anagrams, and Marta is the first parts of Merrick Tannhaus put together. Mare Tan, Marta. Mm-hmm. And Marta and Jonas love causes an apocalypse, just like Merrick and Sonia die together in a car crash. Yeah, that is neat. Reddit is great for these comparisons. I mean, they, I've, I've gotten so much information out of, uh, out of people like this that point out cool stuff that you wouldn't have thought of. It takes a, it takes a hive mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 2021, we enter the cave to find teen Noah and Elizabeth hard at work, <laughs> lifting stones, trying to clear the passage that was blocked by the explosion at the power plant. I guess these two are now joined at the hip since the death of Peter. And they yep. finally reach the door to the sick Mundus tunnel. I mean, congrats. That's what they're reaching for. <laughs> so <laughs> they got that. Good job, kids. And they're just kids here. Um, I'm not yeah. sure how old um, Noah is supposed to be, but I get the, I, I don't place him older than like 18. Mm-hmm. And especially if they hook up, if if they're hooking up, then I'm sure that he has to be, you know, 16, 15, something like that. He can't be too much older than Elizabeth or it's weird. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're hooking up quite yet, but um, it'll happen eventually. I don't want to make it weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him yeah. to be like an adult and her be a child and then like their relationship turns romantic. I don't want that to happen. I want him to be 15 and her to be like 12, and then everything's, you know, more okay. Yeah. Well, we could sit there and try to figure out the ages, but we don't really have to do that. We know that Noah's very patient <laughs> with Elizabeth. He's always been very patient with her, so I can imagine yeah. when it came to romance, he was the same way. He wasn't pressuring her <laughs> or trying to make something happen. He was just being his sweet self. Yeah. Trying to get to that tunnel too, man. He got it. The sick Mundus tunnel. I'm proud. I yeah. almost was afraid it was going to say um, Eret Lutz on it instead. I'm glad it did not. <laughs> yeah. It would have confused me even more. Yeah, it does. It does make you think a little bit how much Elizabeth had to evolve as a person doing this kind of work because, you know, before <laughs> she was, you know, skipping along to, you know, home <laughs> from school, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. being sassy with her mom and, and then she then she visited looking for dead bodies and corpses with her father. And now mm-hmm. she's like doing grunt work, lifting heavy stones and yeah. seeming pretty, you know, she's not shying away from doing hard work. So And it makes perfect sense with who she turns into in season two. It like mm-hmm. it all completely adds up. Yeah. So after they find the tunnel. Elizabeth is holding the For Charlotte pocket watch. She asked Noah to tell her about Paradise. 
he has now learned some sign language. He doesn't have to use the notepad anymore. <laughs> he says, paradise is free of pain and suffering. Everything we've ever done is forgotten there. Any pain we've ever felt is erased and all the dead live. Adam will keep his promise. The passage will open. These are important promises for Elizabeth and perhaps Noah too. Noah has already murdered at least one person mm -hmm. and Elizabeth probably wants to forget the terrible day in the RV, the day her father died because of her. Also, he, Noah, promises that the dead live and maybe she can see her family again one day. That's a tall promise there, Noah. That's a bold promise to make to someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I, I forgot. I, I hadn't forgotten that Noah murdered somebody, but to put it out there like that, ugh, you're kind of right. He does have kind of a past. I guess my biggest note here too was the, was the whole paradise spiel that he goes over all the time. I mm -hmm. mean, we probably see it as a spiel, but to her, I guess it's like in this world where she doesn't have any kind of form of entertainment or anything whatsoever. I guess it's the same as like a bard when a bard will tell a tale and he'll like, you know, you kind of get lost in the tale. And I, I guess that's what's happening here. Because, you know, in my notes, I kind of wrote, I was like rolling my eyes, kind of like all oh, this again, you know, mm -hmm. these BS words. But to her, it's like, the only form of like entertainment and hope that she like really has. So that's why she cherishes it so much. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would use the word entertainment, but definitely hope. <laughs> and because really the world they're living in, what is there to enjoy? It's the whole world. Everybody they love has been destroyed. They're mm -hmm. like, you know, love at the end of the world. <laughs> they're lovers surviving together and their days are just work, hard, sweaty work. So they have to believe in, they have to believe that they're doing it for something to have some kind of hope. And yeah. Well, that's why I say entertainment because it's like a distraction from the norm, which in my mind, that's like, that's kind of like one of the definitions of entertainment in a way. Hmm. I guess. He's a skilled narrator, this young man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's always uh, known how to how to spin a tale and to to woo a captive audience with his words. <laughs> a captive audience? That's bad. <laughs> what? I, mean, I guess I'm just thinking of like Mickle and all the people yeah. he, you know, he knows. Um, Greta too. Greta Doppler. Yeah, he can. He just like his sure, words are like sure. honey to her. She just eats them up That's and right. like. Keep speaking to me. I'm drooling over here. Um, <laughs> okay, so then the clock winds back to 1890. It's been two years since Alt Marta abandoned Stranger Jonas, leaving the ball of goo behind. That goo is still in the vessel Jonas put it in. A figure covered in an early hazmat suit stands at a desk with two machines that hook up to three crackling pylons. The pylons all make an electrical current with dark with the dark matter. Dials are turned to try different things. The figure notices that one of the pylons loses the connection with the dark matter. They march forward and climb up to use their hands to try and adjust the pylon, getting electrocuted in the process. 
It's Stranger Yoda's, who has now become severely burned by the charge, the first of many scars he will endure, and still the ball of goo sits unchanged. Yeah, this was a this was a wild scene all around. Like, first off, that suit that he's wearing is like scary, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like a Scooby Doo like villain, <laughs> is what I thought what I thought about first. <laughs> For all we know, the, the this suit may carry electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it has some form of protection to it, but yeah, yeah he gets zapped pretty hard here, and his arm immediately immediately looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like later on we're led to believe that he gets scarred up from time time traveling so much, right? But I don't think that's the case. I mean, no. my head my head canon is that. He was too close to radiation while he was building this thing. And that's what screwed him up. Mm-hmm. You're nodding your head. You kind of yes. agree with that? Yes, I do agree right that he's <laughs> romantic. You know, people look at him and he's like traveling a stagnant stole, but it's really stupidity more than anything. And <laughs> and mishandling things and being stubborn about, um, you know, making it work. And so he was being hasty and uncautious and just keeps yeah. getting electrocuted. Yep. And you called out like the really nice uh, floors uh, a couple episodes back. I yeah. couldn't help but notice how beautiful those hardwood floors are, like mm-hmm. the horizontal cut to them. Um, yeah. Whoever's doing that work is is doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, this is, this flooring is worthy of like a ballroom. It's like parquet flooring. Yeah. So you could ice skate across it. It's so shiny. <laughs> it's probably what they rented out in actuality. They probably rented out some nice big old ballroom to build this crap in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I did find out like in this episode, I don't know if we're going to get to it later or not, but um, you know where they're working at and tan houses factory. It's um, it's a capacitor and insulation factory. Did you catch on to that this episode? No. Because there's a big sign out front. There's always the tan house sign, mm-hmm. but like painted in big letters on the side of the building is like the word capacitors and then the word insulators. So, you know, he's, he builds stuff for machinery. So that's his front, I suppose. And that's why he has all these weird parts that he can mess around with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the stranger goes to his room and finds Bartosh waiting for him. Bartosh is aggravated that, his promise for a way out and to stop the apocalypse is no closer to being fulfilled. And it's been two years. Jonas knows it will work because he saw it work when he was younger. Bartosh isn't buying it. He doesn't believe Jonas really wants to go back or stop the apocalypse. Stranger Jonas grudgingly admits he's right, although he doesn't use those words. Instead, he admits that his focus has changed from stopping the apocalypse to discovering the origin and destroying it, calling that paradise. Bartosh scoffs at this idea of paradise. He just wants out. Can't blame him. I mean, <laughs> I'd be aggravated if I was Bartosh too. Two years of this. Um, I mean, even though we know it takes much longer than two years in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's and he's being fed a bunch of crap along the way and now it's different crap than he was told before, and he still doesn't buy it. Yeah. I stand with Bartosh. 
Well, why don't you leave, Vartosh? Why don't you leave? <laughs> That's what he does. Goes for a walk in the rain for whatever reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the camera then pans over rainy wind and still in 1890. The girl from the future is wearing the dress Altmarta wore, the one that she stole from her at gunpoint and said, get undressed. Yeah. She quickly covers her hazmat suit with brush and branches. Bartosh grouchily walks in the woods. Perhaps he was on his way out of Winden. He hears a noise behind a tree. There he finds the girl from the future. She introduces herself as Celia, which means blind one. Hmm. They shake hands. This may be the same tree that Alexander buried his things near when he appeared in the 1980s. Okay, when I first saw this scene in the series, I felt happy that Bartosh had a new lady friend. Now I see that this is an insidious move on Adam's part, or Stranger Jonas's part. He sent right. Celia back deliberately to keep Bartosh occupied and connected to that time. They purpose purposefully had Celia wear Marta's clothes, knowing that Bartosh is attracted to Marta. Celia also has dark hair, just like Marta did. And she was sent as a plant and a copy of Marta. I didn't want to steal any of that from you. So I, <laughs> I wanted to give you full cred because I didn't, you know, I didn't write any of that down in my notes. I didn't, my mind didn't go there. Um, so that's a good point. And I think that even Silja probably doesn't realize that either, that she's being used as a distraction. Um, it makes perfect sense. It's like um, keeping a prisoner happy by, you know, giving him a little job to do. <laughs> um, well, in this case, the job is to fall in love. So it's not too terrible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> yeah. She hides her hazmat suit under like a dead Christmas tree. That's what that thing was. <laughs> I, I thought that that cracked me up for some reason. And yeah, the handshake. It was a very, very lovely, meet cute handshake. I wrote down... I'd shake hands with Silja. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mentioned Alexander, but I was also thinking somebody else appeared and buried their suit underneath a bunch of stuff. That person being Jonas, when he came to 1921, mm, that's he, right. he came in a suit and he, um, you know, he shoved everything under a big pile of stuff and then, ended up meeting those two guys who thought he was a soldier. Right. So again, it's like, is with the geography, this could be the same tree, which is, which is cool. <laughs> yep. Like everybody yeah. buries stuff under this tree. And then Elizabeth had buried her photos. Um, Apocalypse Elizabeth had buried her photos also in a pile somewhere out in the woods. So um, it makes you wonder if it's all the same location. It has to be because Bo yeah. and Yantia are just that smart. <laughs> I just want to think about that more because I think I think you're right. Because the we talked about this that episode, season two, episode one, when Jonas came back, he time traveled to the the 1800s and he hid his suit there. Mm -hmm. And we were like, why did he, you know, end up there? And one of us was like, oh, I think that's like where the power plant used to be. And so like he time traveled in the exact same spot, just a different year. Yeah. And so Sildra was sent through mm -hmm. um, yeah. from the power plant as well. 
So that yes. makes perfect sense that she would have came into the exact same spot that Jonas came through. So I'm just helping you prove your point. I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Now so, agree with me that it's yeah. um, World 2 that Tan House is in the bunker. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking the bait on that, but uh. I do. So you said, you know, you wanted to give me credit for my paragraph. So when mm-hmm. you saw this episode, were you like, oh, this is adorable. I love this for Bartosh. Was that kind of? Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, that's I'm how a simple I man. <laughs> I mean, I I felt I felt the same way the first time I saw it too. I was like, oh, good, you know, like he's always so friend zoned, and now he gets he gets somebody to be with. But I think by the end of this episode, we'll all see it wasn't a happily ever after for anybody. Although mm-hmm. I mean, they I bet did the ta- they did have a nice, you know, they lived together as husband and yes. wife for for many years. Yeah, for at least 10 years, because I think Hannah was, well, maybe eight. I'm guessing Hannah was, like the young Hannah was eight at that one pivotal scene. So, yeah, they did have some time together. I give them that. I mean, it's it's not all for naught. I mean, yeah, I felt really good about that. And, and reading what you wrote, that, like, he was placed there, she was placed there to, like, placate him. I'm like, okay, yeah. the wool has been like lifted from my eyes and I see it now for what it is. Um, Even though it is cute and their feelings are their feelings. It was, you know, a calculated move. Yeah. But he's basically the, the way the camera shoots it. Bartosh is just smitten like a kitten from the moment he sees her. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, his eyes get all wide and lovey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. We then wind forward to 2023. Teen Jonas hey. and Claudia. What? Oh, yeah. I was yeah, excited. That's now, 2023. <laughs> Man, I mean, the future's not looking bright. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay. but it's always exciting when you see a show about time travel and they show like your year. It's like, oh, it, make, it make, you know, gives you that feeling of a, of a center. I don't know. Yeah. Where's the Wawa, though? That's what I want to know. Right, Not in so. Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Jonas and Claudia power up the machines and try to penetrate the covering around the small god particle. It's no use. They then spend time cleaning their suits. Jonas looks dejected. Claudia says they can try again tomorrow. Jonas doesn't look convinced. She encourages him not to give up hope. He doesn't think he can do this anymore. He walks out and we pull back to see what I think is the remnants of the power plant. It's difficult to know what's on Claudia's mind. We know Alt-Claudia told her to keep Jonas distracted. So what is her intention? Does she really want him to keep hoping? Perhaps this is her trying to send him a silent message that all is not lost, even though she doesn't tell him the full truth. It does seem cruel not to bring him into the secret, but Claudia still needs to make sure that she doesn't mess up the plan. She's still working it out. Yeah, that's that's the um, vibe that I got too, is that she's not thrilled with what she has to do, that she has to keep him distracted, but that's exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. This thing looked like a gobstopper to me, first off. <laughs> you ever have a gobstopper and you get to the center of it and it's like all white and has little things in it? 
You're talking about the, the god particle looks like a gobstopper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, okay. it's the gob. It's the gob particle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was comforted in the scene when they were washing their like their suits and stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, I work in like water and wastewater, mostly water, but I have worked in wastewater. And when you do that, you have to do the exact same thing, like wear like, you know, suits like this and then clean them off afterwards with your coworkers and I saw the forklift in the background and you know, I'm like a, I'm a forklift instructor. So I felt very comforted with this whole scene, despite what was happening. Um, you know, Jonas getting frustrated uh, and Claudia having to keep him up with hope. It's gotta be hard for her to do that. Cause there's nothing but like work for them to do. There's no other distractions. So she's got to keep this ruse up for a long time. So yeah. I guess it's the, the length of time that she keeps this ruse up is what in the end, like upsets him so much about it. Yeah. And he, you know, this picture that I put in the recap, I think it does, you know, her expression. She looks concerned because Jonas is looking pretty depressed here. Oh yeah. And you know, that's just proven as we continue here. Oh yeah. yeah, this is like the day of. So yeah, he's he's reached the end at this point. That's right. He can't he can't do another day of this crap. And he's I, I like the way in this episode they've done a great job of like making all the characters look like who they're going to become. So mm-hmm. like here we're seeing like Louis Louis Hoffman is that his last name? Mm-hmm. He's like really like looking like Stranger Jonas more and more. And then when Stranger Jonas, of course, shaves his beard later, he looks more like, you know, young Jonas in between mm-hmm. time. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. That's why I love this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so Jonas does what he always does when things look grim. He goes home, looking as much like the stranger as we've ever seen him. He looks at the spot where Marta died. He goes upstairs and enters the room in which his father hung himself. He fashions a noose and gets ready to follow suit. And in this moment, I feel Bo and Yantia are giving a voice to how we might feel as viewers, seeing all of this death and tragedy time and time again. Seeing Jonas take this step lets us know just how dire he feels about the state of his future. Just then, teen Noah comes into the room, beckoned by some thread of time to this spot at this moment. He grabs his knife and begins to saw furiously at the rope. Jonas falls to the ground, gasping for air. But once he sees Noah, he moves away as quickly as possible. And teen Noah tosses back just as much hatred in his eyes. There is no love between these two men. They met once back in 1921 and never saw each other again. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this scene is very, uh, again, I found a cool photo but it's all very picturesque, I will say, for a hanging scene. <laughs> the uh, the tree branch has yes. through the broken window, and you know, without without you knowing it's a tree branch, at first it kind of looks like little butterflies are fla- floating around Jonas's head. But yeah, it almost reminded me of like hope in a way, like with the with the tree coming through, like what's been broken. Yeah, it's like I th- I think that's intentional too because Noah comes through and saves him this scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, in a really weird way, he like saves him, then immediately gets mad at him, which <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway from this is that like, you know, you can tell that Noah's not thrilled with Jonas, even though he just saved his life. 
Yeah, neither one of them are that. Like, yeah, none. Neither one of them are excited to see each other at all. Jonas accuses Noah of following him. Noah says, "You promised me something. Adam promised me something. You said the apocalypse must happen so that we can be saved, so that all of us will be saved. You can't die." Noah may mean literally or figuratively, like <laughs> you can't die. You're not allowed to, or you actually can't die <laughs> double meaning there yeah i took it as a second way but yeah i can see that so he hands Jonas a gun Jonas <clears throat> fires it at his own head five times noah then grabs the gun and shoots the wall oh i should say Jonas fires it at his own head five times but it doesn't go off i didn't put that part I in <laughs> noah then grabs the gun and shoots the wall the gun goes off just fine Noah explains that Jonas can't die because his older self exists. Time won't allow it. No matter what he does, someone or something will keep him alive. He then tells Jonas that he and Elizabeth found the passage and that Jonas must keep his promise. Yeah, this reminded me of Tenet, like that whole cas causality mm -hmm. conversation they had in that movie. This yeah. immediately made me think about that movie. And some of the things they had to say, because Noah's basically telling all this to Jonas now. I think that Noah has seen the movie Tenet, too. Um, the years match up, so he's probably seen it by now, right? <laughs> yeah, what was that, that one part where um, he's trying to pick up a bullet and she says, you have to have dropped it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, because he puts his hand up and nothing happens. And then she's like, mm -hmm. you have to have dropped it. So that means he mentally has to, like, intentionally do that with his mind to, like, with intention, Jonas, with intention. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> um, okay, so, so much to say here. This is a wild bit of storytelling, and there's a treasure trove of theories waiting on Reddit or elsewhere speculating about <laughs> the truth. Just like Stranger Jonas needed Bartosh to keep going, Teen Jonas, Teen Noah needs Jonas to live another day. Perhaps his words are correct and the gun will not go off since Jonas cannot die. But I read at least one theory where a person speculated that Noah handed him a gun knowing there was only one bullet, that there was space for six bullets, but only one bullet in the last chamber. Thus, it seemed like Jonas could not kill himself. I mean, okay. I don't see anything to support that theory whatsoever. But I mean, if he if person wants to think that, I can't stop him from thinking that. I just I disagree with that completely. Because um, how how would he even known that Jonas wouldn't have pulled it the sixth time like that? Mm. And plus, there's just nothing that I've seen that would support that theory whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree with the, with, um, I, I mean, like I said, I'm a simple person. I believe what Noah tells me and I agree with what Noah said that Jonas can't die. Even if you wanted to, that's something, I mean, we've been going back on that theory many times throughout the course of our conversations in this podcast that, you know, b because they exist in the future, something, something, we don't know what it is. You can call it God or time or something's going to stop it from happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 
I'm not saying I agree with that theory either, but when I saw it, I was like, well, that's very interesting. That's, that's at least something interesting I hadn't considered. But and I would never you, have considered it. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, you believe what Noah tells you. However, you also know that Noah is being fed false information. Right. But, you know, th- just because somebody's fed false information doesn't mean they everything they say is wrong. They could say, you know, <laughs> Like when they say you put you put like a thousand monkeys at a typewriter and one of them is going to come up with Shakespeare. Like there's going to be some truth tied in with anything that even a liar says. Okay. <laughs> a lot a stopwatch is right twice. <laughs> okay. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, but also let's remember how Noah died. He brought a gun to kill Adam, and instead that same gun was used by Agnes to kill him. So does that mean he forgot his own advice that Adam could not be killed? Did he forget this moment in their relationship? Either way, it's a sick form of justice. Something did stop Jonas. That something was Noah. If he killed himself, Jonas would not become Adam, a person whom Noah tried to kill. But if time will intervene, if Noah did not come in, perhaps the beam Jonas tied the rope around would give way or the rope would falter. And it's just fun to speculate either way. It is. And I got, I got to like bring up something that I brought up way back when, when the first time somebody got hung on this in this show is like they're not doing it the way that you're supposed to where like you break the person's neck. They're just doing like the choking thing. Mm-hmm. So if Jonas had like done it properly to break his neck, then there's nothing that Yo- that Noah could have done to save him. Mm-hmm. So it's all in this bad technique that they have. That, <laughs> that you did. You forgot to read "Hanging for Dummies." And... <laughs> but yeah, I, I I agree with with what you just said too. Like the the support would have given way. Um, the the rope would have you know given out the radiator would have busted something would have happened as it was you know noah gets to play the reluctant hero (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay but thoughts about the gun the relationship about the gun with Jonas slash adam and noah and the gun later with okay noah trying to kill like did you have any thoughts about that shenanigans (laughs) (sighs) You mean about Agnes in particular or about the gun in itself? Just the fact that, okay, so we we know this, we didn't know it before, but we know now that this happened it, for these two. You know, Jonas tried to kill himself and Noah says, no, you can't, um, you know, you won't be able to kill yourself with this gun even. Let me give it to you and show you. Shoots himself in the mm-hmm. head and then Noah takes the gun, fires the wall. It does work. Now, and now like we can connect that to that event of Noah, like what made Noah think he could go in and shoot Adam then? Like, did he forget his own advice that he told? <laughs> like, well, why, was, why point, didn't Noah realize what would happen? I think because they were living in the present at that moment because Adam had already, you know, that was as far as he had come in his journey, Noah, at that moment that he rushed in to kill Adam. So he hadn't time traveled beyond that point. 
yet. So I think that's why he thought he could kill him is because there was no time to tell him that he couldn't. Yeah, there was no like corpse Adam in the future. He that he saw right. at a certain point. Yeah, old man. Yeah, like he never he's never encountered like an older Adam than that. You know, so anything could happen at that moment. So he thought he had destiny in his hand. He being Noah thought he had like destiny in his hands. Mm-hmm. He did not though. Adam yeah. knew a little bit more than he did at that moment. Yeah. That's just like a, I don't know. It's just a cool anti-mirror, I guess. It's not a mirror. It's an <laughs> anti-mirror. <laughs> so then moving on, Teen Noah shows Jonas the passageway and the Sycamundus tunnel. The door is now open, but the air doesn't flow freely. The passage is still blocked. Noah says the passage will open and then you, Adam, will lead us to paradise. He said, we will be friends before you betray me. An interesting bit of information. What could have motivated Adam to tell teen Noah this about stranger Jonas? Or was it his older self? He wanted to keep just enough suspicion between the two of them. Yeah, I think older Noah told younger. That's what I think anyway. That older Noah told younger Noah that like, you know, don't. Don't trust him too much. You guys will be friends, but ultimately Mm -hmm. he's going to betray you. Yeah. So we wind back to 1904. Celia goes into a painful labor with Bartosh and a midwife at her side. After some painful pushes, Celia gives birth to a baby boy and names him Hanno. So another puzzle piece falls into place for us. Bartosh and Celia are Noah's parents. His own baby boy drugged him into this mess called Sigmundus, <laughs> and we've seen Bartosh's older self and also know that it was Bartosh whom Noah killed at the beginning of season two. What a dysfunctional family. <laughs> yeah, that's never explicitly spelled out for us. It's kind of like the kind of thing you pick up on in the rewatch, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. I remember, um, I do remember young Noah killing a guy the first time I watched dark, but I I never made the connection that it was Bartosh until, you know, we started doing this. Mm -hmm. So it's the kind of thing that could completely go over your head. Um, Not for our listeners, but for the average listener. (laughs) Yeah. So I do want to say something about Bartosh here, which I think is very odd. Mm Mm-mm. Uh-oh. And okay. it gets at that, it gets at my feelings about Bartosh overall that like he, I do want to root for him. However, like it makes me question again just this they sent Celia and it, it, Bartosh seems like um a eunuch here. I mean, there's no emotion to him at all. I mean, he's just You know, he's sitting there watching his wife, you know, pushing, trying to deliver this baby, giving it her all. And he's just sitting there doing nothing, just holding her hand and staring at her with loving eyes. But he just doesn't say anything or do anything. You know, most when you watch births happen, a lot of times the men are like encouraging their wives or saying something and... You know, or like, I'm so proud of you, honey. You did such a good job, you know, and being really supportive. And he's just kind of like a dead fish. You know, he's just sitting there. 
And so it's nothing against Bartosh, but I do feel that being in this cult and being like Adam's puppet and all that has just like drained any signs of life out of him. Like what <laughs> happened to our Bartosh that was like sarcastic and full of life and, mm. you know, making wisecracks. He's just, he's like a poor excuse for a man. I mean, right here. <laughs> I didn't take any of that from that scene. That's interesting. Um, I just thought as a, because it's a real quick scene, like I, I blinked and it was over. So maybe that was the intention of the scene was it just to be real brief. So he didn't have any time to act. I did not pick up on that, that, that he was being a cold fish. That's interesting that you did. Um, I saw it as like just the birth of their kid. And I saw his eyes get big and full of love and, I didn't think twice of it. Uh, that's really yeah, interesting. He's, yeah, I mean, he's full of love, but he's very, like, it's a very passive, he's being very passive in the scene, is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you could say the same thing of, like, what happened to the old Steve Barnes that used to like to go out and have fun with his friends and do stuff? What happened to that guy? I mean, eh, we get old, man. <laughs> Bartosh is old. He's not really old here. I think he's, like, in his... 20s maybe with that little beard that he's got going on but yeah. um yeah he, i mean yeah he hasn't had a great time in his life so far yeah i just think I he's know. Been that's, emptied, that's really interesting i just think he's been emptied of of soul you know by this by this process of by his life and the decisions that have hmm. led to him being here because it's it's almost like and even the way he meets Celia is it's like I'm blinded by the light. Or they, they talk about, um, what is it those women called the sirens that are in the ship and mm -hmm. they sing and then the men just crash on the rocks because they're so entranced. Like that's what Bartosh reminds me of here. He's just kind of staring at Celia with goo eyes and not really being very useful, you know, but there's it, no, it's nothing against him. I just feel like sorry for him that he's like got that yeah. cult mentality, you know? And Bartosh. All right. Yeah. Okay. Another sad sack. So, Our next scene yes. has another sad sack too, right? <laughs> yeah. We wind then to 1974. Tanhouse hangs the family photo of his son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter on the bunker wall, Merrick, Sonia, and Charlotte. Tanhouse's voice says that fate plays cruel games, but we always will believe that there is a way to turn the tide in our favor if we want it badly enough. Tanhouse is the first to hang photos of dead people in the bunker. We then pull back. <laughs> he has brought boxes and various contraptions down to the bunker. He says, a person is able to pursue a goal, no matter how unattainable it may seem, over the course of an entire lifetime. No resistance, no obstacle is great enough to stop one from pursuing one's will. Tanhouse has a small prototype of a nuclear device and some plans. Is this stubbornness in our striving not that which distinguishes us from animals, which know only short-lived desire, and isn't all progress through all ages not the product of this unquenchable act of will? We continue to watch Tanhouse at various stages of building some sort of device in the bunker as he drones on and on about will and progress. The will guides us towards an idea of progress. As long as you feel you're getting somewhere, you will keep going, just like the characters in this show. I'm but I will, <laughs> I will point out 
one thing that is can be sort of a visual clue about Tan House, which, um, okay. which maybe hasn't been spelled out yet, spelled out, because um, I didn't put it in the recap. But in these scenes, there are bars, black bars on the top, the bottom and the top, as if it's yes. like widescreen. Whenever we see Tan House, we see these black bars. Um, and that's this is the only time we've seen those black bars. Okay, yeah. They did those same kind of clues in Lost as well. And hmm. um, Westworld. They did the same thing in Westworld too. They did some time traveling in that show. They didn't tell you they were time traveling. But the, uh, you know, the TV um, definition got different when you were in different worlds. So upon a rewatch, you can see it. But as you're watching it at the time, you did not notice it. So yeah, I did notice that too, but I didn't make note of it. So. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is interesting um, that we're in the bunker and he's building this device. And of course, you know, the bunker is where we saw like the time travel chairs. Yeah. So this is where they put together complicated machinery or perfect sense. at the power or at the power plant <laughs> yeah. where, where Jonas and, and uh, Claudia are. So, okay. We then wind to 2040 and the ruins of the power plant in the middle of the room, the small glowing remnant hangs in the air. Now middle-aged Noah, stranger Jonas and Claudia are wearing yellow hazmat suits. They don't have those old crummy ones from the 1890s anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all there pushing buttons and pulling levers, trying to get the small sphere to evolve in some way. They allow electricity to penetrate the sphere and one lightning bolt actually makes contact. The glowing orb begins to cloud over as a small black spot covers the globe, forming what looks like the unstable god particle. The group looks at each other, although no one seems too excited or impressed at this change. <laughs> right. They can't do much with an unstable God particle. It seems like they are looking at each other's reactions, which hints at distrust. And we see this time when these three people worked as a team. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I felt two ways about that. It was cool seeing them working together as a team. Mm. And then just like you said, I was like, why are they not excited about this? It's like, they're so close. It's like, it was the gobstopper core. <laughs> now it actually looks like the God particle. So they should be getting psyched, but they're not. They just look even more pissed than before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would think they would be like, Hey, something happened for once, <laughs> but they're just like side-eyeing each other. Oh yeah. Noah. I think Noah, starts talking about that. I think in this, I think in your next paragraph, he starts <laughs> yeah. telling us what he feels. So stranger Jonas and Noah warm themselves by a fire. Stranger Jonas asks why Noah thinks that their efforts aren't working. Noah suggests Claudia doesn't want it to work. He wonders why Jonas trusts her. Stranger Jonas asks Noah why he trusted Adam when he lied. There is no paradise. Jonas promises he won't become Adam and assures Noah that the portal will work because he's seen it in the future. He still believes he can change the course of events. His older self failed, but he won't. 
Stranger Jonas may mean Adam, but he may also mean the Stranger Jonas that he met when he was a teen. Mm -hmm. And he claims to have chained the components in the passage. Noah interrogates this claim. Noah is on to something here as Alt-Claudia talked about the positive feedback loop between Jonas and Claudia. Mm -hmm. Jonas believes he changed the components because Claudia told him he would. And Noah also says that Claudia also disappears for days. Noah remembers that Claudia said not everything that's here belongs here and ponders what she meant by that. Yeah, I guess we, uh, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense that they don't belong there. And it also makes sense that she's going away for days. Like we as the audience understand that she's probably talking to the other Claudia or she's probably talking to Eva or going to Eva's world or doing something in the past to make things happen, right? Mm-hmm. So it's okay with us that she's being gone for days, but to them... It's awfully suspicious. Right. And I guess that's why Noah looks so pissed about the God particle because he's like, she's stopping this from happening somehow. I don't know how, but she's screwing us over. Yeah, and she is. <laughs> she absolutely is. He's right. Noah's Yeah. Noah's got right. <laughs> some sort of instinct about these kinds of things. But what do you mean when you said um not everything that's here belongs here? What do you think? that Claudia meant by that. Like Jonas, for example, doesn't belong in Eva's world. He doesn't exist in there, so he doesn't belong. You don't think there's anything here? Because I was like, it could be Elizabeth. It could be, I don't know. There's really, it's like really the, all there is is like Elizabeth, Claudia, Jonas, or Noah are the four people that are that are existing. Yeah. We found out by the end of the episode that there's, you know, people that don't belong. And I think that that that's answered later on within this episode. Um, that there's things like, um, you know, looking ahead, Hannah in this episode, um, Silja. Um, yeah, but they're but they're not here. They're not here at this time. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm just thinking of things that are out of place, like not in the right place they should be in general. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, let's I'm so just, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. No, I was like, I didn't realize I was causing you such consternation, so I'm sorry. Um, so just then, Elizabeth comes out pregnant, and she gestures for Noah to come inside. This is the paradise Noah should enjoy if he has any sense. He tells Jonas once more that they can't trust Claudia, and Jonas doesn't seem convinced. Did you want to say okay. anything with that part? <laughs> I do. I, I was just okay. making sure that you that you said this the right thing that I thought you said, which is this is the paradise that Noah should enjoy. Yes. Um, I really, I really resonated with that uh, that statement that you wrote there. Cause, cause you're right. That is like, you know, he's, he's found love. He's found somebody that, you know, th that respects him, looks up to him, like adores him. But, you know, instead he's fixated on the work that he's doing and he's getting frustrated by that. Um, just reminds me of like that age old tale of like, you know, you don't realize how good things are mm -hmm. until it, the time has passed. 
Um, so yeah, I wish Noah had read that at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> that this is the paradise that he that he should be in. Um, I, I wanted to go off on a. Hopefully, this isn't too much of a of a weird tangent, but he says something like, "I wrote it down here too." Um, but this time it'll be different. He's talking about the loop and how he's going to make things different. And I wrote down in big letters, all this only happens one time because I'm a firm believer that there's not a loop that keeps happening over and over and over again. I'm a firm believer that all this happened linearly one time. Um, and maybe we'll get into that like in a later episode. But I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that he said that and that uh, that's, that's where my mind went immediately because it's a big question is like, does this keep happening over and over again? Are people learning from this? Do they remember past times in the cycle? How endless of a cycle is this? In my mind, it all happens once. Hmm. I don't know. What do you do, do you agree with that or have you ever thought about that? I think I'm team loop. Okay. Right, well, great. Just, we'll get to, we'll, 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 then yes, we will talk more about that later then. Great. <laughs> I'm glad <okay>. you are. <laughs> but, but I'm also not that um, firm about it. I'm not like, oh yeah, but I, I think it's, I guess I'm more, I would say I'm more like undecided. I'm more agnostic okay. about it. Yeah. Okay. We leave Jonas and overhear a conversation between the two Claudias now. OG Claudia assures Alt Claudia that Jonas still doesn't know the other world exists. Alt Claudia reminds her that the matter must not work yet. The knot must be upheld in both worlds. Alt Claudia is just about ready to exit with her golden globe or golden snitch when OG Claudia stops her. She wonders if Eva actually knows everything that will happen. She wonders if Alt-Claudia has met her. At first, I think she means Eva, but she is speaking of her older self. Alt-Claudia has never met older Claudia. Yeah, I thought she was talking about Eva, too. Um, Mm -hmm. But that that makes perfect sense as well, because that kind of ties in with, like, the next (laughs) few actions (laughs) that happen here. (laughs) It's an important question. So Claudia recalls what older Claudia said. If everything goes right, Regina will live. She has thought about that all these years, and she can't believe that older Claudia meant for Regina to just suffer over and over again in a repeating knot that must be preserved. That's that's evidence right there towards a loop thing for when when Claudia says that. I feel just to, just to point it out since we talked about it. Um, mm. <laughs> Cause she's like, and I don't, I can't believe they mean Regina to just suffer over and over again. So alt Claudia has no words with that. OG Claudia takes a pistol out of her pocket and aims the weapon straight at alt Claudia's head. She says there must be a way to untie the knot without destroying all life in it. A way for Regina to live, really live. I think neither Adam, neither at Eva nor Adam knows that path, but I'll find it in my world or yours. In minor Welt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I could speak German better. Okay. And with that, OG Claudia shoots 
Alt Claudia. Yeah, that's wild. It's like, is that, is that part of the loop too? Is that a calculated move or that yeah. threw me aback that, that really threw me aback this whole scene here it's like she committed suicide in a way mm -hmm. yeah og claudia becomes the first person to break the chain claudia mm. does not take orders from others burn told her <laughs> if she wants something then take it she also realizes that since alt claudia never met an older claudia that she doesn't make it <laughs> like in life oh. <laughs> I think that that's like where Claudia's brain comes in only Claudia could have figured that out she's like well have you mm -hmm. met her have you met an older Claudia and she says no I haven't and then she's like she must not make it you know she must not make it in the world so I'm supposed to shoot her and, and she does it I mean it's <laughs> I and mean, that's some wild stretches of logic, but I agree with you. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Cause yeah, at first I thought that she meant Eva mm -hmm. and yeah, that, that is a very important question to ask. You know, have you met her? <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, and again, I'm, even though I've watched the show, you know, seen it before and you have too, but I didn't register that until writing this recap because I, I, even though she said, right. She met older Claudia. I was like, well, she must meet Eva because she's wondering, have you met her? Mm -hmm. If you haven't met her, maybe I, if you haven't met Eva, maybe I can take your place easily and she won't know because we haven't actually met. I don't <laughs> know. Um, but now older Claudia or sorry, OG Claudia now <laughs> has ultimate power between both worlds. She is the Claudia. And That's she right. has the golden snitch. It's like she's the unknown. It's like she's she made herself as the unknown, like a link between two worlds that mm -hmm. kind of straddles <clears throat> both of them now. Yeah. I feel like we owe this scene more stuff, but I don't know if I have anything else to say. <laughs> well, this is all about Regina will live. Yeah. And, you know, she... You know that both Claudias at this point have... um you know, seeing Regina not live. Yeah. So that's like their, their clear motivation is they want her to live. And I, yeah, I hope that comes to fruition. Doesn't seem like it's going to, but <laughs> that's what she's fighting for. I mean, she's still kind of fighting for just like you were saying before, like how uh, that the only way to cheat death is to cheat time. Mm -hmm. So that seems like that's what Claudia's m main motivation is. She's just, again, and it's like before the other Claudia, the alt Claudia was the one that was saying, you just keep things going until I can figure out how to <laughs> fix this. But now this Claudia has like taken power from that Claudia. Yeah. So... And, and now she's going to use the power. Yeah. And it's impressive because if you think about everybody else in the show who's been like sort of following orders, you know, Jonas has mm -hmm. followed the orders of Adam and then Eva. Bartosz has followed the orders of Eva. Marta is following the order. So like all these people are doing what they hope is the right thing. And Claudia is the only one that's like, nope, not going to do it. So... <laughs> It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Forging her own path. 
So we warp to world two, the Eret Lux lair. OG Claudia now enters Eret Lux dressed as alt Claudia. There she meets Eva with dark hair. She's older than Stranger Marta and younger than Eva. So again, between the time. Mm -hmm. Eva looks as if she's expecting someone else along with what she thinks, who she thinks is alt Claudia. She thought maybe the other Claudia would come with this time too. OG Claudia must think of an answer. Noah was watching too closely for her to come. Saying nothing else, Eva walks to her desk and rolls up the plans for the time machine, the ones that the unknown stole. She gives them to the fake Alt-Claudia. Alt-Claudia is to give the plans to OG Claudia, who must then give them to Tanhouse. Eva seems hesitant to give up the plans without making sure that the Claudias understand that everything must happen again. The tension mounts as we wonder if Eva will realize she's talking to the wrong Claudia. Yeah, I was wondering that the entire time. If Eva knew about Claudia doing this, if it's something that she knew about ahead of time, if she recognized something about her that knew that it wasn't her. I was thinking that the entire time. Like, oh, she, Eva knows. Eva knows. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even know if we know the answer to that yet. I don't think we do. But in my mind, <laughs> it seems like Eva knows. And Eva knows what's up with Claudia here. Um, what do you think? Um, I think she was suspicious for one reason or another, but I don't think ultimately she, um, she did, but although you can, you can say, well, it doesn't really matter because there, it, no. <laughs> I was like, well, <clears throat> what would have been different if she had given the plans to Alt Claudia? The only difference is Alt Claudia gives them to Claudia, then Claudia gives them to Tan House. So... <laughs> But Claudia yeah. still filled the plan that Eva had. Yeah, luckily enough. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's bizarre too that like they they um, they love just to stare at their paintings, and like <laughs> after Claudia leaves, Eva goes right back to the painting. It's like, yep, still burnt. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> There's nothing even there to look at. <laughs> well, since it was dark-haired uh, dark Eva, you're thinking it's going to be the middle-aged Marta. And then, no, it's the <laughs> it's the older Marta slash Eva, but she's not quite as old as that, so that she still has her dark hair, so. Yeah, she's got her stranger Marta haircut still. Yeah. Which is what I liked. I, lo I, I love those little transitions. In so between we time. Yeah, we then wind to between Eva. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we that's fine. We then wind to 1910. A woman with a slash across her face lies across a bed. Blood covers her nightgown and stomach area and all down her legs. The innkeeper named Erna has her has her arm around the young boy named Hanno, the first child of Bartosh and Celia. She encourages him to be strong for himself and his father. Celia has died, giving birth to her second child, a girl named Agnes. Bartosh rushes into the room to find his wife dead. He says her name. Erna tells him that they did everything they could, and the look on Bartosh's face speaks volumes. He must have heard Agnes's name from Noah, and now the pieces have all snapped into place in his mind. His son is Noah, the man who recruited him. 
He was an easy, uneasy when Celia named the baby Hanno, but now he can't deny the truth of his son's identity. And now he's snapped awake. Now he knows what's up. He, you said he was all dead before. He has <laughs> he, a little like more Bart. life now. <laughs> now that's now that Sylvia's dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's a shame. This, this is the bad scene. And it's like it again. Once again, it's like even at this young age, Noah just seems like he's like wiser than his father and like more like more mature and stoic than his father is because this little young kid that plays little Noah sure holds his shit together pretty good. And I think that's <laughs> really you <know>. does. <laughs> I think it's supposed to like show you that like, you know, Noah is kind of like the adult of the relationship, you know, that's like he led, wild, but, he, but yeah, it's still, it still isn't revealed to the audience at this point, but I think everybody has already figured it out by now. Let that Hannah was Noah, right? Mm-hmm. Because well, they kind of make a big deal the, of it. The the actual the actual like solid yes happens a little later in this episode, right? Um, but I feel like based on Bartosh's facial expression, because he has this look on his face, like, oh yeah, oh what? <laughs> so <laughs> it's like Bartosh and. Even in the first birth, when Hannah was first born, he gets a weird look on his face where he kind of stares at the baby like, huh? But then, but this time he's like, bulgy eyes, looks at Agnes, then looks at, right. then looks at Hannah like, oh no, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. I kind of got the gist that he realized at that point that hannah was actually noah like that's when it's clicked to bartosh Mm -hmm. like before it did not and with agnes it was a real reveal but then of course in the show they they also do the same reveal for everybody when noah walks into the bar later it's kind of like the um the george rr martin has like his three-step reveal with all of his stuff where he like real subtle clues and then he'll do something like this that like um, you know, kind of confirms it, but not so much so. And then the last one, it's like completely obvious. Mm-hmm. He does that with a lot of his reveals and his writings. And yeah, I, I get the feeling that's what they're doing here because yeah, even the first time watching this through, um, when I watched it, I caught on pretty quickly that, that Hanno was Noah backwards. Like when they named the baby Hanno, a couple episodes, or was that this episode, or was it the, the episode before? It was this episode. It was this episode, yeah. <laughs> so, so long ago. It was an hour and 41 minutes ago. <laughs> but, um, yeah, even the first time I saw this, I, I, I knew what was happening just based on the town, just based on a lot of, like, context clues. But do, do we still don't see how she got that scar across her face that matches like the Martha scar? Um, we see little little baby Silja later, and she's got the scar on her face too. I don't remember mm-hmm. if that's revealed in episode eight or not. Um, but yeah, she's got the same scar that uh, that Martha does. Yeah, different um, at a different diagonal. <laughs> 
different eye and all that but i think that i just think Bo and yantia love scars so they have to put one on everybody uh it's true they do (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so we then wind forward to 2041 noah and elizabeth walk outside hand in hand they fold laundry and do the things couples do elizabeth Mm -hmm. stops to ask him to tell her about paradise it's a conversation they have had Many times before, but Noah seems to have lost his conviction somewhere along the way. He looks weary, and Mm -hmm. he recites his speech. Paradise is free of pain and suffering. Everything we've ever done is forgotten there. The passage will open, and then we will be there, you, me, and Charlotte. And they hold each other tightly. Elizabeth seems to believe it. Even if he doesn't, she's really into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned something. One of the things you said earlier was that she looks up to him. She adores him. I'm not sure that's true. I think, you know, I'm I'm saying they definitely are like a loyal married couple. But I get the feeling that like, I don't know, she she needs him. You know, she relies on him for life now. He's she didn't have her father. So he like protected her, took her in and raised her. So I'm not sure if it's like. Um, you know, and I'm not sure if it's love, like romantic love as much as like, I rely on you for sustenance. It's a little bit of a power imbalance. I can see that. I just say adore because like when he starts telling her that paradise story, both when she's young and when she's older, she like just kind of gets like this far away lost look in her eyes. Like she's totally lost in everything he's saying. Yeah. So that's where that comes from, I guess, is that look. (laughs) Okay. Unbeknownst to the couple, intruders are now watching them. Charlotte and adult Elizabeth, a different, older, (laughs) one-eyed Elizabeth, (laughs) enter the grounds and the couple's home. There on a small, cozy bed lies tiny baby Charlotte. Elizabeth is overwhelmed with emotions as she remembers the pain of losing her daughter. She picks up the baby tenderly and presses her face to the infant's warmth. Charlotte has no words, but she does look down and sees the pocket watch, takes it with her. So now we know that Elizabeth and Charlotte are the ones who kidnapped baby Charlotte. (laughs) And it goes around and around. There's so much to this scene. I like it. I'm going to let you go on, though. Um, the pocket watch goes from Noah, and I'm saying this from when we saw it first. When we first saw the pocket watch, it was with Noah. It goes from Noah to younger Elizabeth, from Elizabeth to Charlotte, from Charlotte to Peter, from Peter to Elizabeth, from Elizabeth to baby Charlotte, from baby Charlotte to Tanhouse, and from Tanhouse to young Charlotte. And now I will desist from tracking the watch. <laughs> yeah, that's some good tracking there. That's that's spot on too. Like I'm remembering each handoff. Noah and Elizabeth go inside their shack and realize that baby Charlotte is missing. He goes straight away to the bunker where stranger Jonas bunks, convinced that he's the baby snatcher. <laughs> he shoves stranger Jonas against the wall. He remembers oh, okay. Adam's words that they would be friends until stranger Jonas betrayed him. Stranger Jonas assures him that he isn't the guilty party. 
Noah grabs him by the windpipe, ready to exact revenge. He leaves him with a curse. I wish you all the suffering in the world and leaves Jonas without another word. And one, two more sentences here. Elizabeth sits cradling a baby cap left behind. Noah kneels before her and vows to find Charlotte. He promises to return with the baby and takes the sick Muna's journal with him. Again, he promises big. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how does he know he can find it? Um, Of course, he's going to go back to Adam, like thinking that, not Adam, um, Jonas, thinking that Jonas did this. So this, this is like the perfect getaway for Elizabeth and Charlotte to do this. Um, and it's mind blowing too, because like the chain, the things that happen here, the significant things that happened is that first, let's see, um, Elizabeth gets to revisit her baby. Mm-hmm. So she has been through like the trauma of like losing this baby. And now she has to be the person that sees this baby again after all these years, only to kidnap it once again, mm-hmm. which is completely tragic. That, tr- that chain of events there. And then Charlotte gets to see herself as a baby, which is something that mm-hmm. nobody ever gets to see. Yeah. And this provides a distinct origin for both Elizabeth and for Noah. Like we've seen Elizabeth's like origin and like these, these significance things that have happened to her that have hardened her. But this I think is like the real, like the real one that really hardens her is like losing her child. I think Mm -hmm. that really, you know, sets her in motion and Noah as well. Like this turns Noah into the Noah that, that we see later. That's like Mr. Determined, Mr. No fun. Um, (laughs) You know, like this is the origin of all them. And this is also where Noah starts to hate Jonas. Like he has a legitimate reason for hating Jonas now for believing Mm -hmm. that he's, um, responsible for this. So yeah. I just think there's like, I think this is the scene more than any other scene of this show that like really had me popping off with all kinds of like thoughts and just cross connections and just wonderment. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this, the, it's a very emotional scene, of course, when Elizabeth finds baby Charlotte, she, she cries and she's remembering you know, what it felt like to lose her. But then when you think about it, what she does, we know what happens. Uh, These two women, uh, before Tanhouse just said two women, he'd never met them before. Right. They show up at his doorstep and drop off the baby. So Elizabeth is like reunited with her baby for Mm -hmm. a very brief period of time and then just is instructed to drop off the baby at Tanhouse. Now, if it was Claudia, she would be like, nope, not doing it, and like shoot someone in the head. But Elizabeth fulfills fulfills the duty. But yeah. it was also interesting to see Charlotte's face because, you know, remember that she's had this pain in her life of never knowing who her parents really were, not knowing oh, where wow. she came, not where she knowing where she came from. And feeling like, you know, because of that, she doesn't know who she is, maybe doesn't feel like she was ever loved. And I couldn't help being a little bit moved for Charlotte here to see how 
to see Elizabeth cry. And maybe that was mm-hmm. in some way healing for Charlotte to see like how much her loss meant to her mother. Right, right. And so that was, I don't know, that was, that got to me for some reason. I was just like, because Charlotte was like, had a very weird look on her face. Um, and she grabs yeah, that pocket watch and and takes it with her. And then it, And then I also was thinking about when we first see Charlotte in the future and Adam is saying, you know, have you made your decision? Will you see it through? This is what he's talking about. You know, are you prepared to do this task? You're going mm-hmm. to help your daughter kidnap yourself from, I don't know, it's just, it's wild. It's like, you know, who who is it? Like to think about, it's cool, but it's also like, who would do something like this? I would be like, you want to you want to think you would be like no way no I'm not doing that that's that's evil and cruel right but what is it that convinced these people to to do this these activities like what is this power that Adam holds over them to do it I I mean I guess he's a better orator than we give him credit for <laughs> he really moves these people I suppose to stick yeah. to the path I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad seeing this with with Noah and Jonas because they were, you know, for a little while they were bros, you know, hanging out by the fire, getting. Mm-hmm. And we know later on there's nothing but hatred, and he, you know, Noah gives him this curse. I wish you all the suffering in the world. <laughs> Don't worry, Noah. That comes to be your your prophecy <laughs> is complete. That's right. <laughs> and then one final thought is I couldn't help believe. Thinking about Jonas and how much trauma his windpipe must have suffered by now with like two attempted hangings, one by himself, one by oh, Elizabeth. God. And now yeah. and then Noah almost tried to choke the life out of him. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing he can still speak. Well, it's because he can speak in the future. So <laughs> Yeah. He, he, you he do- has to retain. He does have like very damaged vocal cords, you know, like very gravelly. His Adam has these very gravelly. So it's like, okay, now oh, yeah. we know why. That's right. He does have a distinct way of talking. And he really fills that suit out too in the way that he doesn't <laughs> later on. <laughs> uh, okay. Voiceover of HG Tanhouse. A man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills. So we've heard that before. Earlier, we saw Tanhouse talk about reaching goals. Noah has a goal as well as Jonas, Claudia, and Eva. So, yeah. Nothing much to say about that, really. (laughs) Yeah, a little brief aside, showing us his cool time machine again. It it works. I mean, he, he gets it spinning. So, you know, kudos to him. Yeah, we wind back to 1986 in the bunker. H.G. Tanhouse looks at the portrait of his dead family and he talks about the paths we take in our lives, the decisions, that it's all guided by our deep desires and that our desires determine our deeds. And then he starts up his new machine to see if it will work and pushes two red buttons mounted to the wall. And the machine sounds very similar to the suitcase time machine when it's turned on. 
and then the machine lights up. Yeah. Oh, this is what I was saying before when he did it. This is what I thought that we were. <laughs> yeah. I was a paragraph ahead of you. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like this machine with the big red buttons and the and the old school uh, computer that he has there. It makes its little neat old noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It all just ties together. I like the stuff. I like the stuff that the uh, the show creators use for for time machine devices, and they were really creative to like make multiple like time machine devices. Mm-hmm. Like they really went for broke and didn't just do one or two. They did like eight. Which is just so neat. Yeah. But it's also nice to see a machine that works. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's good with all his machinery, too. All these old school, like, analog, shiny metal parts. It was just a more uh, neat design, I think. It's Tanhouse. Yeah. Tanhouse, he's, he's, he was born in the right time here to make this machine work. When we wind back to 1911 to the Tanhouse factory, Bartosh works on a car. A woman approaches holding a suitcase and the hand of a small girl. Bartosh stares in wonder. It's Hannah. He then looks closely at the girl. She has a familiar looking slash across her face. He calls her Celia. Hannah seems confused that he knows her daughter's name. And this makes me wonder what time period Hannah chose to have her baby based on her haircut and clothes. It seems perhaps the 1980s. Hmm. Did you think that? Okay. Or did... <laughs> you know, I was always under the... And, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I, I was just under the impression that it was her and um, Egon's baby from like 1950 something. So that's where I assumed that she came from. Hmm. Well, I was, I guess, um, like we know she created <laughs> Celia with Egon, but it doesn't necessarily mean she stayed there with him. She might've been like, Hey, the, uh, the birthing equipment in the hospitals is much better later on oh, okay. than the okay, 1950s. You're saying she suitcased herself around to, like, different time eras. Yeah, she could go wherever she wants. So, 33 years in the past or future, you know. Yeah, I'll buy that. And I I think, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I don't know, something about her hair, how it was, like, it was kind of poofy, and she had, like, Mm -hmm. the bangs hanging down and the bangs going up. So, it was a lot like Katerina's hair in the 1980s. And then she was wearing, mm-hmm. like, her and Celia's clothes. They were wearing these, like, skirts with boots. I don't know. I could be wrong, but. Yeah, I guess it's unclear at this point. I'll go with you, though. But think the thing I noticed, though, that I was getting ready to bring up was that, um, I mean, maybe the significance of Silja having that scar on her face, maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it's just an identifier, just so Bartosh could immediately recognize her. As a child. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, of course that. he's shocked. This is the scene that I figured out what the thing said on the wall. This is the scene that it shows capacitors and um, insulators on the wall there. Yeah. Yeah, I Bartosh mean, working somebody... on a... Er- Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say Bartosh working on a real early model of a car. Because if it's 1911, 
that's like a super old car, which is probably in many cases easier to work on if you have the right tools, which I know he does because he's in this factory. So I don't know. Good on yeah. Bartosz for learning that old technology. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know Bartosz was this handy. Yeah. He's <laughs> more than meets the eye. Come on. I told you he was He's more than a haircut. <laughs> um, about the mark on Celia's face. I do think, mm-hmm. you know, my personal theory is it's just a birthmark, but I know it's really easy to be, to think like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe Hannah thought about having an abortion again and then changed her mind, you know, and this might be a mark left from that, but. I didn't even think that. There's no evidence for that. Yeah, I don't buy that one. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't (laughs) like it either, but. Okay, so. Hannah explains she's looking for Jonas. Bartosz warns her that he's changed. Traveling has left marks on him. We know it's not traveling, but stupid handling of electrical equipment, but okay. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even after his wife died, Bartosz never left Adam's side. Did he keep up hope that Adam would find a way, or did he stay to be near his son? Now, wait, what's this now? I was just saying that at this point, Celia's dead and Bartosh is still here. You know, remember Bartosh was like going to leave or he could have been like going to leave town. But then when he met Celia, then they theoretically fell in love and he stayed to be by her side. And then they had two kids. And now at this point, Celia is dead. And but yeah, Bartosh is still here. Right. I didn't even make that connection. And he's an adult here. He's not like young Bartosh. He's adult Bartosh. Yeah. Absolutely. Not only that, but he's doing, you know, he's almost like, uh, what's that guy's name? Like Igor, you know, like he does whatever Adam wants. Right. He like brings he the suitcase in and he's yeah. like working on the car. Then he just brings in Hannah and Celia doesn't say anything. And then he says, prepare the chamber for them. And Bartosh takes the suitcase Again, remember, yeah. he's just becoming wow. like a shadow of a man. As, okay, here, I totally agree with you. And I'm thinking that, yeah, Adam must have some kind of hold over them, more than just some kind of like blackmail. He's got some kind of emotional hold over them. Or maybe he's just, you know, stringing them along with like the hope that he can, you know, get his time traveling thing happening again. He can... That's an excellent point that I didn't even consider. So that's why you threw me through a loop because I didn't even read that in your um, in your uh, recap either. This is the first I'm thinking about this. So that's why I kind of stopped the show for a second and like had to debate that because I still mm-hmm. don't have the answer for you. I still don't. Um, yeah. What is keeping him there? That That's one of our lingering questions. Yeah. It might just be. Yeah, I mean, or it might just be like he's given up on any kind of, like, this is where I live now. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be other other places, like, how would I get, how would I travel from point A to point B? I don't know. But it just is kind of interesting that he seems to have lost his will to hate, um, to hate yeah. Jonas slash Adam. 
maybe that's it. Like he's lost everything. And so he's just kind of like given up mm-hmm. and to be a little Igor, I guess. Wow. Okay. Cause he didn't even say like, you know, he comes in here and he doesn't even say like, Hey, your mother's here. He just brings them in, doesn't say anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, and especially since he knows this little girl is his future wife. I mean, that could, um, that could be a little questionable as well, that like, wait a second. You mean if Celia came here, then how did, you know, you could put two and two together to be like, dang, you sent her as a plant. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Adam again. It's always Jonas. Um, yes. We cut to the Sigmund Slayer and the fall of the damned painting. Bartosh escorts them inside. Adam has his back to them. Bartosh sits the suitcase down, waiting to see how Jonas, Adam, will react. He turns and Hannah can see her now scarred son. She's momentarily speechless, but collects herself enough to introduce Jonas to his half-sister, Celia. And Jonas says nothing. Yeah, I think he only says like one thing in this whole scene. And yeah, it's unsettling looking at him. Very Voldemortish, very like otherworldly, like an alien. Mm-hmm. And like when I said earlier that Adam can really fill the suit out, like he doesn't look good in the suit here. This looks really uncomfortable and he looks really uncomfortable and um, just otherworldly. Like I just would kind of like feel like I was was like in another world in like his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the way he's acting so stoic and strange, his mom's expecting some sort of reaction and he's given them absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a sheltered, talk about a shell of a man. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it's catching. <laughs> <laughs> He finally asks how she came to find where he was. Hannah seems to be trying to accept this new version of her son. She explains that a few days ago, an old woman named Eva came to see her at her house. She told Hannah where to find Sigmundus, saying that Jonas was looking for her. The mention of Eva makes me wonder if this Hannah is actually Hannah from World 2, rescued by Egon 2, or if this is World 1 Hannah, Because we know Hmm. that Eva doesn't really go to World 1. Jonas slash Adam probably spots this right away. Because as soon as she mentions Eva, as as awkward as he already was, as stoic as he Mm -hmm. already was, he becomes even more stoic as soon as she mentions Eva. Right. Yes. I think because that's when he kind of like makes up his mind of what he has to do later. Yeah. Um, because he really feels like they're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that if this was world one or world two, Hannah, I just assumed it was world one Hannah, like his actual mom, Hannah is, was my assumption. Um, I'm still thinking that, but it's interesting to think that it could be the other one. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, in World 2, Hannah doesn't have a Jonas, so this would be, if it was Hannah from World 2, it would be a Hannah oh. that's that's purposely lying to Jonas. Well, bingo, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Either way, he knows she's lying because Eva doesn't go to World 1. She's like Adam. Adam doesn't leave World 1. Eva doesn't leave World 2. Okay. So, <laughs> somewhere or other, it's a suspect. Hannah <laughs> apologizes for ruining everything between them. She overcomes her repulsion enough to touch his face. He has a tear in his eye, but he could, all, he could just also have runny eyes. Awkwardly, he removes her hand from his face. At first, I thought he was like touching her hand to like pat it, but then he like, mm, mm -hmm. no, don't like that. Right. <laughs> he removes her hand from his face. Hannah registers that he's not happy to see her. Adam orders Bartosh to prepare the chamber for them. An ominous welcome, as I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, this was a real awkward moment. And I was wondering if like his tears were because he was suppressing his feelings or because he was feeling a feeling for his mom mm -hmm. or because he like kind of knew he was thinking about what was going to happen in these next few scenes. Yeah. Or he knows, was, or he knows she's lying to him and that hurts his feelings too. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Four things. Four <laughs> allergies, like you said. Could be five things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my cat gets runny eyes too, but I don't think he's crying. Sure, that happens. That's right. <laughs> Later that evening, as the rain pours down, Adam enters the chamber as Hannah and Celia sleep. He begins to move the blankets off Celia. Hannah asks what he's doing, her mother instinct kicking in. He says that Celia doesn't belong there. All the pieces have to be in position. She's in the wrong place. So are you. And he caresses her face, a repeat of all the men who have touched her in this way before, meaning Ulrich and Egon. He calls her mom and then proceeds to strangle the life out of her. There's something so raw about the way he accomplishes this using his bare hands instead of a pillow. Celia slept through that encounter. Now he goes to her bed and claims he wants to show her a secret. And he picks her up and carries her out of the room. And Celia doesn't seem scared to go with him. Yeah, that was really unsettling how she just didn't seem to care. And was like, okay, yeah, let's go check out a secret. <laughs> Jonas is awful here. That's that, <laughs> This was an awful scene and it was, it was handled awfully. And the way he says that she's in the wrong place and yeah, this is, there's nothing to like here. Like we don't like Hannah, right? Like we pretty much hate Hannah, but I don't, I, I don't like seeing this scene. Like I, <laughs> it's almost like a, um, like a Freudian thing. Like they always say, like you want to like sleep with your mother and kill your father. Well here he's like instead killing his mother. Um, which I guess now that I think about it is very, uh, significant in this show, uh, you know, mm, something about killing yeah. your mother, mm -hmm. um, in order for you to live. Yeah. But you know, I can't be on board with mom killing ever. Yeah. Well, we have to remember that the last time we saw Hannah, she was in that clinic and met mm -hmm. little, um, what was her name? Her name Helene. Me too. Helene. Helene Elders. 
and she makes kind of a life-changing decision to not have the abortion. Sure. And she's like turning it over a new leaf in her in her life. Mm-hmm. Um finding her own happiness, not worrying maybe about men anymore. So you could like for me I was like she seems to genuinely she's there to like reconnect with her son. Yes. You know, like so it's possible that she's had an awakening or you know, it's possible she's gotten shifted some off some of her baggage and she's a new healthier Hannah. We never really get to see that because Jonas strangles her. Um so at this point I'm not hating Hannah. I'm like I feel like she wants, you know, she's apologizing to him. Now could it be a man- another manipulation by Hannah? Sure. But I am usually like I'm a glass half full type of person. I want to I want to believe that like Hannah was there to like actually reconnect with him and to maybe turn mm-hmm. over a new leaf, but it's just it's too late for um for for Jonas slash Adam. He doesn't want her here. He also knows he needs Celia in a different time so mm-hmm. she can seduce Bartosh. So um, uh-huh. You laugh, but I'm being serious. <laughs> I know that sucks. <laughs> I'm um, laughing because it sucks. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But there was, even if, yeah, it's just like, okay, now, where is he taking Celia to? That's the other creepy part about it. Yeah, I wondered that too. I guess, I guess he was going to show her the time machine or something or... I saw that you had a different theory that somebody supposited, and I don't agree with that theory at all because there's nothing to support that theory. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I wondered that too. He was going to show her something, which in my mind, it could only be the um, the time machine. And yeah, this is maybe one of two scenes in the whole movie. I, I really hate, and I wish they were left out. So the other one is the Elizabeth, um, the, the almost rape of Elizabeth, right. you know, like that is so awkward. And I'm like, why does it have to be like that? And then I'm like the same way about this. Like why bring Hannah same. back just to kill her? Unless we're just trying to make a point about how Adam's not human anymore, but it's just, <clears throat> it's just kind of gross in all the ways. I agree. It's, it's a bit much. And I think it was um, done in such a way where, they were like, we have to do something with Hannah. We know that Sildra has a path. Where does Hannah's path lead her? And yeah. I guess this is what they decided was like the easiest way. Instead of like having like another intricate knot, this is the mm-hmm. easiest way to like have her um, path end. And it also does a little something for Adam. It makes him even more Adam because, you know, he's we still see him as Stranger Jonas right now. He's even though he looks like Adam, he's still like the guy who plays Stranger Eunice underneath that makeup. So he's still a younger guy. So this is like a, a, a character development thing for for Jonas and I guess for Silja because it like leaves her parentless and it makes Jonas go from like being her half brother. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to like her father figure <clears throat> in a way. Yeah. Um, but it does nothing for Hannah. 
<laughs> so that, I think that's the, I think that's the reason I don't like it too is I don't know. I don't like any kind of death scene that's um, graphic like that. Yeah. Well, the other thing, yeah, we have to have Celia come in somewhere into the show. And in this case, it's an insidious. It makes it clear like Adam had control of Celia. So he brought her, maybe brought her to Elizabeth. So Elizabeth could raise her, which is explains how mm-hmm. Celia got to be in 2053 and is kind of Adam's <laughs> puppet, another one of Adam's soldiers. So it okay. may be the fact that she was going to fall in love with somebody was like what was hung over her head as like some sort of promise. Like, mm. I don't know. They, she was probably promised some sort of paradise too. And probably in her head, Bartosh was that. Yeah. So we wind forward to 1920 to the Winden Inn. A group plays cards. So this is one year before Jonas shows up in Winden in 1921. Right. So that's interesting. In yep. walks Noah as if he's new in town. He goes right to the counter and tells Erna he needs a place to sleep. This is where he grew up, and he struggles to maintain his emotions to be here with the woman who helped bring him into the world. Erna Mm -hmm. calls for Hanno, and this is where Noah meets his younger self for the first time. And he must surely remember this moment, but he seems surprised. And I guess this is also where we cannot deny anymore that Hanno and Noah are one and the same. Then this is where the names are (laughs) definitely said. Yes, this is where it's hammered over our head. Like, yes, that's right. <laughs> and it se- almost seemed like his mom recognized him or something, too. I guess it's just the way the scene played out because, you know, Dark kind of does, you know, these longer kind of drawn out scenes on the characters' faces. Um, I just felt like I saw some kind of recognition or something there, but I, I could just be telling myself that. Yeah. Well, it's not, that's not his mom. Oh, well, yes, that's, that's right. Erna, the Silja. woman, right. um, the woman that helped, um, was like helping Celia with both births and I misspoke. Yeah. Yes. But it seems like she recognized him. Yeah. You got that. You, I wasn't sure if it was that or just that this is like the kind of place where nobody ever shows up. Like you don't get people, strangers very often. And oh, so when she, yeah, that's right. She's just kind of like. Who were you? But yeah, she did have kind of a weird look on her face. Maybe she thought he looks kind of familiar or have I seen him before? (laughs) Um, Okay. So older Noah walks down into the sick moon's lair and meets older Adam. Adam has been expecting him. He knows Noah thinks he lied to him that he took Charlotte away, but he says that Claudia did it. He asks, (laughs) (laughs) that's always good. Blame Claudia. Yep. He asks about the sick Mundus journal. Noah has it. If he finds the last pages, Adam says he will then find Charlotte. He will find paradise and Helge will help him. Everything happens in cycles. Sunset is followed by sunrise over and over. But this time it will be the last cycle. And he gives Noah a book with a shiny cross on it. And I was trying to think, is this just a Bible or? Right. 
maybe he's just saying like, remember here, here's your Bible. Go do your new job. You're the new priest in town. Yes. Okay. That's what I, um, that's what I wrote down and surmised that he was giving him like something that'll give us like a visual clue as to what he's going to become. That's yeah. what I took it as. Okay. I mean, the crucifix on the front too, that mm-hmm. tells you that <laughs> there's yeah. something going on in that book. We then yeah, wind- again, the, oh, sorry, again, they're saying um, about the cycles and over and over again, it'll be the last cycle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very interested in talking about that in, at a future episode. <laughs> yeah, not this one. Not this one. We then wind to 2052 and the wall of the bunker covered in pictures. A voice says the material can finally be stabilized. Everything must happen again in exactly the same way. You have to lead your younger self down the same path. He must not act differently. You have to set the course no matter how hard that may seem, but you'll Mm -hmm. finally be able to change everything. We pull back to reveal older Claudia talking to stranger Jonas. The device, he'll repair it. You must destroy the passage and the knot with it. She hands him a copy of A Journey Through Time by H.G. Tanhouse. You'll succeed this time, Jonas. You must never lose hope. Jonas exits the bunker and Claudia opens the sick Monus journal and tears the final pages out. I think it's so neat the way that like, yeah, we just saw Adam give the book to to Noah with the pages and he even asked him too, are the pages missing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> Cause that's the way it's supposed to be. And here we see her pull the pages out. Mm-hmm. And then during the montage, we see the pages getting handed off. And I remember when that happened during that episode, because I remember you pointing out the significance of those pages. And I think I was like doubting you at the time. And of course this vindicates you. So <laughs> history vindicated you. <laughs> On this one. <laughs> what was the what was the phrase again? Hesty Vindy? Um, his, Histy Vindy. That's Histy right. Hesty Vindy. Hesty Vindy, <laughs> Vindy Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. But this yeah, is where no I'm... matter how hard the course, like yeah. of course. Like this is the worst. We know that she <laughs> she has to kill herself. <laughs> That's a pretty tough thing to do. Yeah. But he, this is where he um you know, she Remember he said, I think it was in the last episode, he's like, what am I going to do? Lie to myself again and wait 33 years? I'm not going to do that. And apparently he's going to do it. (laughs) Yes, got no choice. But yeah, it's wild that Claudia is the one that takes the pages and we see that. And then, Mm -hmm. so it's, I guess what that does for me is it just says, okay, all of these key players have always been key players, even though you might be like, Oh, it would be obvious that Adam removed the pages, but it's not Adam. It's Claudia. Right. And, um, but working in concert with Adam without even realizing it. Yes. Yes. We, and we talked about that at one point, like when, um, when stranger Jonas meets like during the Scooby gang episode where like, there's like the teen team and the adult Mm -hmm. team. And he's talking Mm -hmm. about like, Jonas is talking about Claudia and he's also telling Charlotte about Adam and who they are in the story and like what is their role. 
and um, it kind of makes it seem like okay, we're they're sort of working together but separately. Yeah, they like they're helping each other to accomplish things without even they're supposedly trying to fight each other, but in a way they're supporting they're support they're all supporting the knot. You know, they're sustaining all this tragedy. Everybody is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they're all doing their little part of tying their own little piece of the knot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then we get our montage. (laughs) And we're seeing scenes from previous episodes, but this time from the perspective of the more knowing character. So that sort of makes everything interesting. And it's kind of like we're looking back on it and being able to see things again with fresh eyes. The song is Pneumothorax by a group named Blue Neck. If you get a moment, check out the lyrics. They're pretty depressing. I won't read those here. I don't even have them here, but I looked them up today and I was like, (laughs) wow, that's like the most dire lyrics um, of any of the songs in the show. Um, So these characters are doing some tough stuff now that I think that guess that matches up. Yes. Yes. They always pick the perfect song. So, Stranger Jonas comes to town during a search party for Eric Obendorf. Noah calibrates the chair time machine in the blue wallpaper room. Older Claudia waits in the office as middle-aged Claudia walks in. Stranger Jonas leaves teen Jonas a clue to follow the signal. Noah waits in the limo as teen Bartosh meets him for the first time. Older Claudia leaves the time machine for middle-aged Claudia to find. Noah encloses Helge in the Iron Maiden chair. Older Claudia apologizes to Egon. Noah shoots older Claudia and finds the missing pages of the journal. Hannah embraces stranger Jonas. Charlotte rejects Noah and Claudia finds Regina on the day of the apocalypse. Noah throws the missing pages of the journal at Adam. Jonas looks behind the tree at Alt at Marta and Jonas at the lake and then Agnes shoots Noah and looks unhappy about it. Team Noah enters the bunker on the day of the apocalypse, and then Adam shoots Marta in front of Team Jonas. I mean, yeah, the way I wrote it down, when I, because like, like, like I said, I didn't have your um, recap to go by, is I wrote down that they were guiding their um, future selves. Like Jonas is guiding future Jonas. Claudia is guiding Claudia. Noah is guiding Bartosh. Noah is, he travels Helge. We see him like time travel Helge here. Mm -hmm. So that's also kind of guiding Helge. Mm -hmm. And then Claudia and Egon. I mean, I don't know. These seeing these old scenes and stuff, I think is a big reason that this show is so, uh, is rewatched as much as it is. I I think it's like this episode in particular, right towards the end, when it like instinctively shows you not instinctively distinctively shows you like all these moments happening, it makes you want to go back and rewatch those moments again. Um, Mm -hmm. The show is, that's why I said earlier, like the show kind of creates its own like myth and its own like um, legend because of this, like it's a great device and it definitely made me want to go back and rewatch. Yeah. But it's kind of like we're, yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying, uh, but I guess I was like, 
when we when we were first watching the show, we were sort of in the perspective of the less known character. And now sure. we're like, huh, how would it have felt? I, you know, and again, it depends on the day you watch it. I could register it a different way. But I was like, okay, how did Noah feel that day sitting in the limo, meeting Bar, you know, having Bartosh? Like, right. yeah, he, at this point, he knows um, one day I'm going to kill you, you know, like he has yeah. that knowledge and, Oh yeah. But we didn't know that before. So we have more information now, just like they do. And so that just like gave everything more gravity to like, to know, especially, I guess the one moment I want to call out out of all these was the Agnes thing. Sure. Because when we yeah. saw that, scene the first time Agnes just comes in looks cold like a cold hard killer and shoots Noah in the face that's all we saw but when we see it this time we can see that she doesn't look too happy about it so even though she's at the height which I think I say that later but um she's at the height of her cult mentality because the reason she shot Noah was because she wanted to be in Sigmundus but even then she wasn't as cold and heartless as we thought she was. Right. Yeah. That's you're proving my point. This is why you want to go back and rewatch. So you can think about all the different um, motivations behind this stuff. Also, yeah. it seems like everybody's a murderer or a kidnapper. Mm, <laughs> when, yeah. when you go back and rethink about it, like everybody has killed somebody or kidnapped somebody or done something Pretty terrible, even like our best characters. Yeah, everybody's got a lot of baggage. And I and I write down kidnapper too because you know Charlotte never killed anybody, but she did kidnap somebody, so she counts as like a a kidnapper too. Yeah, I was kind of surprised we didn't see them in this at all. Or yeah, there were some there were some moments that I felt like were kind of missing, but they picked the ones they wanted for a reason. Yeah, that's right. So Alt Marta now enters the Air at Lux Lair with Bartosh Two. So we're 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 cutting from the, we saw this at the very beginning of oh. the episode, right? Yeah, and I like the way they did this too because the song ends, the screen goes black, you yeah. think the episode is over. I I love the way they set this up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like an episode of television. <laughs> Uh, Shut up! <laughs> no, I mean, I'm being serious. I'm like the way the screen goes black, and then it's almost like, and there's like this, ep you know, this tel TV episode inside of this TV episode of like Tannhouse's TV episode. I was That's being right. serious. I wasn't making fun of you. So I thought you were making fun of me. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is something we haven't seen yet. So Alt Marta enters the Airlux Lair with Bartosh too. She sees the Adam and Eve painting. And she asked Bartosh why he brought her here. He says, they will help them. They're the only ones that can help. Marta is aghast. She struggles to explain to Bartosh that Eva is not a nice person. Bartosh <laughs> says they're the light. Eva enters the room mm. and Bartosh looks happy to be bringing Marta here to this person he thinks of as reliable. Eva says, isn't it peculiar that one feels the greatest aversion towards the people who are most similar to oneself. Marta tells her they are nothing alike. Eva admits that she never saw this moment happening again when she was Marta. So there was a similar scene between Jonas and Adam in mm -hmm. 
in season two. Yeah. Now, 66 years later, she understands some pain is never forgotten. It brands us for our entire life. You and I, we share that pain. We bear the same scars. She then takes a dagger or sharp weapon and just slashes Marta across the face, claiming Marta will now never forget which side she's on. Bartosh just stands there again as Marta bleeds from the eye. Eret Lux is life and Sikmonis is death. <laughs> this doesn't really prove their point too much. And yeah, I thought it was odd how Bartosh just kind of stood there too. Like he wasn't like, holy shit, lady, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's like, this is the one time he's always been so loyal to Marta, but yeah. That cult mentality got him. Eva has convinced him that she's the light. So he's like, I guess maybe she told him this was maybe Eva told him this would happen or something. I don't know. But but how would she explain it in a light kind of way? Like, it's the light. I'm going to slice the light out of her face or something. I don't, she would say, how do you explain that? She would say, this is necessary for her own good of the good of for all mankind growth. or something. But. <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah, like um she says, We're I'm nothing Marta said, I'm nothing like you, and now she's like, Yeah, you are, look at you now. <laughs> you look just like me. <laughs> Not so pretty anymore, are you? <laughs> That's pretty shitty. Jeez. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> it like and and yeah, back to like how Bartosh was just standing there. Like he should be defending her like adamantly or like reacting in some sort of way. And he, she couldn't have told him this was coming. And this reminds me of secession. I've told you about secession. We watched that and how everybody in that show is like a horrible person. But like sometimes somebody will do something that's like just a quarter bit like humanity. And it makes you think they're an okay person. For example, like there's a character that you hate, but then like their father, like backhands his brother and he like jumps up and he's like, hey, you leave him alone. Leave my brother alone. And it's like, wow, look at that. Kendall mm -hmm. is like really a nice guy. He's like, you know, upset that his father just hit his brother. Mm -hmm. But here, Bartosh is just like, that's the light, Marta. Don't you see the light now? This is, <laughs> Aaron Lutz is the light. Well, remember that scene earlier this season where like um, Marta, Marta 2 came to 18 I want to say 1899 but that's not correct 1888 <laughs> mm -hmm. and then stranger Jonas kind of grabs her and shakes her a little bit and then both mm -hmm. Magnus and Bartosh stand up like immediately right. their instincts kick in and they're like ready to defend yes. and you would think at least if nothing else Bartosh would come to Marta like put his arms around her or something um but he just yeah he just stands there I was I, I always thought I remembered that Bartosh does look worried or comes over, but he doesn't. He's just like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, the second time through, I, when I watched it the second time, I was struck by that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this explains how, of course, Marta got the scar, how the other Marta who came in and shot Jonas has the scar doesn't really explain much though other than like i mean i guess it's supposed how to be like a learning it. <laughs> moment it explains how she got it but it's not like hugely significant like to her growth like watching somebody she loves die or having to kill someone she loves 
it just it seems like an unnecessary um, loop in the cycle to me that she would have to slice her face. But I guess since she did it, she has to mm-hmm. do it again. This is, but we have to remember that this is the Marta that becomes Eva. Mm-hmm. So in a way, she's the most damaged Marta of all. You know, in one oh, one reality, Marta dies. In another reality, Marta is put on, uh, is killed by Adam by the force of two apocalypses. This Marta survives, but she's in this abusive relationship with herself where her, you know, Eva is like, you will do what we say or this is what we can do to you. She slices her face and it's... It's like, in a way, this is the most twisted. This is like the most twisted Martha, Martha of all. You're right. We didn't mention that last episode, how like the Martha that um, that dies by Adam's hand in this episode at the end doesn't have the slash across her face. She's the Martha that just has the one little scar under her eye. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't, she never progresses to become Eva or even or even this Martha, like you said, like she is distinctly alt Martha who doesn't um, continue growing. Yeah. I guess at this point, um, like another, uh, another recapper said they took it as like, this is the moment where Martha stops being attractive Martha and like becomes, I don't know, kind of like Elizabeth becomes the warlord. You know, now Marta is no longer an attractive woman. She's like, she's now just uh, disgusting. I mean, I look at her and she's just disgusting. Blah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, still I mean, think the she's scar, attractive. I, the scar fades eventually, but sort of like losing her, I don't know, losing her sexuality in a way and and just hardening and becoming this more of a, like a cult follower again. Okay. Yeah. Like a facial scar, I guess, can do that to you. Can make you like be scared for you to be viewed by other people, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Like Um, some people who survive, who like survive sexual trauma might do things like lose uh, lose weight gain weight or you know Mm -hmm. always wear your hair you know like just become as ugly as possible so that men don't see you a certain way and sure in in this case like eva's taking you know taking that choice away from her and just saying like here we're gonna do this to you now you're marked and you know this is the marta that like just all she does is hang out um, waiting for herself to show up in the desert <laughs> in like the apocalyptic wasteland. I guess so. <laughs> Standing behind door number two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you do have to feel sorry for Marta. As terrible as the transition from Jonas to Adam is, Marta gets terribly abused by herself. All the while, <laughs> the loyal Bardash thinking is for her own good. And how twisted do you have to be to abuse yourself in this manner? We can, so we could speculate on who had it worse, Adam or Eva. 
But right now in this moment, I'm kind of thinking it's Eva. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Last little moments here. We then cut to Adam repeating the scene where he destroys Marta on the pile of rubble in World 1. He expects this to destroy everything. Instead, Marta just disappears. Adam realizes that nothing has changed. His plan failed. As he stands there with egg on his face, <laughs> older Claudia enters the room and says, Hello, Jonas. Yeah, like, I don't know what he thought would happen. Like, it, it looks like he's looking at his hands, like thinking he would have just disappeared or like the, the world would have snapped out of existence. That's what he thinks, I guess, should happen here, which in my mind doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make um, like sense when you think about things like atoms and matter. It doesn't seem like that would that would, he would just pop out of existence. But I guess that is what he expects. Mm -hmm. I do like how this seems like a third ending. Like it seems like the show should have ended like after the montage. Then the scene with um, Marta happens with Eva. And so this is like a bonus, like like Marvel post credit sequence here. <laughs> That what we're getting to see, which I think is really neat and yeah, really cool when he's like standing there and then like the wise woman walks in the room. Like we always, we talk about how like the women rule this world and here comes old Claudia. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I got you again, Jonas. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. And Claudia and Jonas have worked together in different iterations of their of their journey together so it's just it's kind of nice that um yeah i guess uh I, i'm not sure when the last time you know we could probably sit there and work out when was the last time they saw each other from this moment mm -hmm. back like but obviously they haven't seen each other in a while a lot's changed since then yeah, I almost get the gist they haven't seen each other since like the last time that we saw Jonas and Noah and Claudia working together, like around when the baby got kidnapped. I wonder if that's around the last time they saw Claudia. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we 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 yeah. don't know. It like you said, this is a great one. It <laughs> yeah, I, I you wrote here, so I'm stealing your words that like you know Jonas, I mean Adam. Like, you know, he's, he's been foiled and he finally like, you know, loses all his composure, which is great to see. And it's great that Claudia gave that to him. Yeah. We needed his smug expression to be gone. Yeah. And he thought that that was the whole, he thought he was going to erase the origin. He assumed that that was the origin. So this is telling us, no, this is not the origin. So we got one more episode to go, and I assume that they're going to show us the origin in that episode. They won't leave us hanging, will they? <laughs> Survey says no, Steve. They're not going to leave us hanging. <laughs> Thank goodness. I hate shows with unsatisfying endings, and I think we're all going to be very satisfied when this one ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we still don't know what old Tanhouse's machine does, so that's surely nope. going to be part of the next episode as well that's right because we left him in that little bunker i was convinced it was world two but yeah you've convinced me that it can't be world two or i guess it can be world two but it's probably not um 
Hmm. So yeah, we get to see where he goes. We get to see what, you know, we, 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 we're probably going to watch Claudia and Adam have a very long conversation <laughs> face to face. But I hope we get to see more flashbacks. That's what I want to see is cool flashbacks. Yeah. I don't know. What are your final thoughts here, Lindsay? Yeah, I just, I'm waiting for the full, I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm waiting to talk about the finale with you and I'm going back to the Schrodinger's cat metaphor and saying, okay, what, you know, it was that just a nice way to explain the reality, uh, the existence of these dual realities or is there more to it? And I kind of think there is. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We, we, we were, hang- we're leaving on such a hang here because we're, we're going to have like that one last episode here. So yeah, w- w- for this episode, um, it's pretty easy to figure out who my least favorite was, but it was hard to pick a favorite in this episode. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe you'll blow me away with a good favorite. Um, let's see. I started last episode, so I'm going to make you start this episode. Um, okay. so tell me who your least favorite was first and let's see if I'm surprised. Okay. Well, my least favorite is, was it, was it tough? It could have been a tie, um, but my least favorite is Eva. Eva? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess the tie would have been Adam, right? Yeah, he would have been the other possibility. It was between it was between him and Eva. But I really, okay. really dislike how Eva treats Marta. How she just is like, she's like, I'm, you're nothing like me. Let me show you how you are. Here you go. A slash across your face. It just, <laughs> that makes no sense. And it doesn't, it didn't. I mean, I guess it had the effect effect she wanted, but is that the best way to engender loyalty? <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, you're right. It's not definitely not. I mean, I picked Adam hands down for killing his mom. I thought that was like just a hard scene to watch and just how, you know, just evil semen, he, evil vibe that he had when Hannah and Silja came to visit him. Evil, and evil semen. <laughs> what? He said, he said, evils. Oh, evil seeming. Yes. Evil, not evil semen. <laughs> Nope, I didn't say that at all. I would never. <laughs> and how dare you hear that? <laughs> it did cause the unknown. Oh, well, that's okay. right. That evil stuff. But yeah, like Adam hands down. No good. Um I can see where you're coming from with Eva. I didn't even I didn't even consider her. I just thought it was just so obviously Adam's episode again like it's been so many times he's he's been my least favorite quite a few times um who who's your favorite then claudia you loving okay all right that's that makes a lot of sense i was gonna say the same butt in this episode like she's doing she's the one moving the chessboard pieces around and controlling everybody and obviously she has something to say to adam here at the end and we want to hear it yeah i i I chose claudia i i I don't 
I didn't really think she was like stand out wonderful. Like there's some episodes that like the character will like just do something and it's like, yes, it's like, I don't know, you know, so-and-so is my guy. So-and-so is my girl. Um, I kind of picked Claudia out default here because I like Adam so little. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, when she went and killed herself though, I didn't, I thought that was a weird move that kind of like, I mean, I guess it's part of her journey and I guess it's part of her not, but I, um, I wasn't really exactly, I wasn't exactly on her side on that one. Yeah, for me, that's the moment that, that turns the tide in her favor because yeah? that means she's just the way her, just the way that she figured that all out sitting there going like, um, have you ever met older Claudia? No. She, I'm the one, I get the control, so I'm going to shoot her, you know, like checkmate. It's, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant, um, character move for anybody to, to figure that out that quickly and to just take action. And she even hesitates for a moment when she aims, mm -hmm. you know, she takes the gun and aims at her, but she does do that little check and she, she is like going through it in her head that she doesn't want Regina to suffer and so there has to be a way not just to um untie the knot but there has to do, be a way without destroying everything and neither one of you are figuring it out so i'm gonna take control i just i'm just like how can you not respect that because everybody else in this show that's what they've wanted to do they're like you don't know how to play the game i do and everybody <laughs> thinks they do but claudia is the only one that figures it out Okay, even more fuel for the fire there. Good, good deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a better explanation than I could give for my for my reason for picking her. That's great. Well, did you have any honorable mentions? Was there anybody else you were exploring for favorite? Um, Silja, just because I just feel like she should get an honorable mention, just because it seems like her path is not a great one. Um, not the, I, I wouldn't say like it's the worst of everybody, but we, you know, this episode, we, we've seen lots of different sides of her, but unfortunately we get to see her die and it's, I don't know. I mean, like her, her death should have had more meaning, I feel, and it feel, I feel like it kind of didn't except to Bartosh. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I kind of wanted to give her like an honorable mention. Um, just because she, I mean, plus she's like a cool character. Last episode, not quite so cool. This one, yeah, the way she, uh, her vibe came across is much more cheerful. And like, we're seeing like a different side of her here too. Yeah. I mean, I gave her my favorite character vote on the episode when she helped to bust Jonas out of prison because I was saying like, oh, she <laughs> sort of took she didn't follow again, like not following orders is obviously a plus with me. She, she <laughs> didn't do what Elizabeth wanted her to and was sort of questioning everything she believed to ask Jonas, like, why didn't, um, why didn't Elizabeth kill you? So she was sort of questioning everything for me, like for her here. Um, I guess it's the reason to me, like realizing that like, Oh, she allowed, Adam to use her for you know but again she was 
groomed to be that way. And we see that here that like she gets ends up being raised by Adam and then Elizabeth through Adam. But um, but yeah, I can't be on the side of some I guess I can't be on the side of somebody that follows orders so blindly. And I feel like she kind of does that <laughs> to Bartosh's detriment. But um, but I, I I respect your wanting to honor her as a character and at least give her a mention. Yeah, she deserves at least that. This is Noah's mom. I mean, yeah. And you were talking about when she let Jonas go. Like, she she never knew. Does she ever know that she's Jonas's brother? Hmm. Sister, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think we Han- don't know. Hannah mentions it. Hannah mentions it. So maybe young, maybe she does know. Maybe Hannah told her when she was younger because she says it to Jonas or Adam, I guess I should say, when they come into the uh, sick Mundus layer. Um, so maybe it's something that she like you know knew ever since she was like a little kid, and maybe maybe Mar- kind of always carried have, that with her. Yeah, she could have forgotten. Um, that too. Yeah, she could have forgotten who he who he was, but. Yeah, I do. I do feel like I remember she was kind of crying, you know, when um, when she thought Elizabeth that he was going to die. Um, you know, when Elizabeth mm. was trying to hang him, she was. That's right. So there might be something about it that that uh, remembers. But yeah, this, it's interesting sure. to call out that. Um, yeah, they're they have the same mom, you know, so they're related. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm out here, Lindsay. I don't have anything else to wrap us up with. Do you um have anything plugs for the week or anything you're looking forward to? Mm-hmm. Well, I am for plugs. I just want to plug my top ten movies of 2023. It's finally mm-hmm. complete, and on one of my stories dot com, so you can check that out if you want to know what my top movies of the year were, as well as. I think I mentioned this earlier, but the NC Film Critic um, nominations came out and I did a podcast Mm -hmm. where we discussed those, like what the group's nominees were for favorite actor of the year, favorite actress, all that kind of stuff. So that's also on one of my stories dot com. If you want to check that out, our winners, the group's winners will be announced on January 3rd. Right on. I don't have anything to plug. I'm still plugging away at our song. I actually have been working on it this weekend. Um, So hopefully that'll come out sometime in 2024, which is this year. Um, But yeah, I don't have much to plug um, other than one of my stories and my band Intro Void and keep listening to Sweet Child of Time. Oh, yes, I can say that we are on YouTube now. Um, It's a very easy process to, um, to upload to YouTube. Now I might show you how to do it, Lindsay, for one of my stories. Um, so now if you want to listen to my podcast on YouTube music, you can do it there. Um, but yeah, until next week, we'll be doing episode eight. It's coming up and I'll be looking forward to that. I know you are too. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay, thank you for providing us with a recap in a very timely manner here. I'm really impressed with uh, <laughs> that you getting it done as quickly as you did. So thank you very much. Yeah, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Yes, 
Happy New Year to y'all. I hope this new year comes and that everybody always finds water and shade and shoes. And to you too, Lindsay. Hope you have a great night. Bye. Bye.